they're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back, baby, come back. With the bye-bye-bye-bye, with the bye-bye-bye-bye, I must admit I was a clone to be messing around, but that doesn't mean that. But a bye 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 but a bye 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 bye. Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you, David Hellard? Yeah, I'm good actually. I'm good. I've had a wobble, but I'm now unwibbly. What? What sort of wobble have you had? I can't remember if I mentioned it last week. I um, do you ever have you? You don't know what's happened, but you just become really shit for. A few days and then and you worry and then it's all right um yeah is that oh, absolutely. No, yeah i think it doesn't everyone have that but i but in relation it's... to what normally it's in relation to something like if you know i remember um you know it, with you know a lot of races and stuff you do you have a bit of a wobble you think everything's going all right and then you have a bit of a wobble but i think that's just normal what what was your wobble in relation to well just just um so Congrats. i think i mentioned um no not well just just general just just running in general it's weird so i think i mentioned last week that i went for a run with claire yeah last sunday um and about 10 11 miles in i was finished um and we were we were jogging along with a back backpack little backpack but jogging along about nine minute miles and i just just said to claire you're gonna have to go i'm gonna catch the tube and then um tuesday went to track two reps in like oh oh that's too tired no <laughs> that's me done dude you should just come to a, a, a utdb event that's pretty much what it's like after, <laughs> after the first pub yeah <laughs> the tube this week it's, it's um and and claire was ripping the piss out of me um on saturday about this saying how i'd never last in fact on, yesterday about how i'd never lasted this event because i don't even get through a track session um, and it's weird. I, I've still not decided whether I'd made the right decision in just after I was two and a half reps in on mile, mile reps. And I was like, yeah, I just can't keep up the pace of shit I, I'm used to. It's I think the sensible thing is just to have some rest. And I don't know whether I'm an idiot or a pussy for um, for not doing three more reps and doing it slower than I'd expect and probably it being horrific and, and whether that actually would help me in the long run and I'd it would help my fitness or whether it's more intelligent and sensible to to basically take the easy way out wait 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 wait, wait. okay no no right so you know right this is this is what normally happens you normally tell this story and go oh yeah I didn't perform as I performed and then once we had the discussion you normally add oh yeah but I forgot to mention that the day before <laughs> I cycled um, from <laughs> London to Manchester or something like that that's no, how it normally goes, yeah. And, and like, right, okay. So, what was the point of that entire discussion? No, I mean, I was thinking about. It. I had a big night Saturday, <laughs> but I've had big nights, a lot of Saturday nights. Yeah, I didn't but, have a big night Monday David, night. David, how close are you to being forty? This is it. Old age, <laughs> old age is, is literally creeping up on you. Well, I've I've got a question. Go when you have travel vaccines, does that affect your running? Uh, it um. I'm not sure whether it affects running. It certainly affects. It's, what, what travel vaccine have you had? Um, 
I think I had one of the heps, one of the hips, Hep A. I know that yellow fever. When when we had yellow fever, um, you had yellow fever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was vector running. Crazy, yeah. It made us. Uh, no, when we had the uh, yellow fever uh, vaccination, that made our brains. We thought we had a gas leak in our flats because we were both like, "Why is, why is everything just? Why have we got these massive headaches?" And we're like, "Oh." Oh, oh yeah, we've had yellow fever. Um, uh, they, 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 they affect us through. Um, and it's, it's good you do it with someone then, because you can compare notes. Yeah, actually, when we we also um, when we were in Africa, used to because we both were on malarone as well for a month, mm. and so um, and we used to compare notes from uh, you know the different malarial drugs that we were taking, and uh, it affected us in different ways. I had like the most like vivid dreams. That it would feel just so unbelievably real. It was amazing, and I was like, I want to carry on taking it. And then Lib- and Libby would have like, I had a dream about rearranging my sock drawer, and I'm like, <laughs> but how real was it? Yeah, exactly, man. It was just <laughs> was it, was it, it your own sock drawer. It was in 4K. It was just so extreme. <laughs> so yeah, every I, fold, every every <laughs> fold to the to the max. <laughs> No, um, so I think I think yeah I think definitely definitely because it does it does stuff your, your immune system's kicking in so it's got it's got to make a make an impact I I think also it's an absolutely shit excuse on your part. Well, I was I, I asked this person a question and then they're like, well, when did you take it? Like yesterday, and they said, when did you when did you have your long run? Uh, two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was the anticipation and fear of taking the knowledge. Uh... <laughs> But anyway, how are you? It's, oh yeah, and the, to finish the story, basically, I've been. I went Thursday. I went up to Bridlington. I went out running, and I was just pretty crap again, and a little bit despondent. Um, but then Saturday comes round park run, everything's back to normal. So hopefully that's a good thing for people. It okay. just happens, and you're right again. The park run factor gets you back in, back in the mood. Chance to chance to win something in a park. Exactly, exactly. But um, tell me, tell me, what's being... Oh, welcome to Bad Boy Running, people. (laughs) (laughs) The great thing is, as you're going to soon realise, we've taken this whole uh, need to introduce ourselves completely out of our hands. And we're just going to get our new producer, producer Nick. Nick! Basically, producer Nick to just edit all the bits in that we're supposed to say, that we forget to say. What we're hoping is one episode will end up just being things that he'll put in that we were meant to have done, and the whole episode doesn't involve us. It's just. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what? That, there are there are there are listeners who would prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, how how are you? Well, firstly, this is welcome to the the Babble Running Podcast. We uh, my name is David Hellard. I am a runner. My name is Jodie Rainsford. This week, I haven't been a runner. This week, oh, we're in a Monday. Oh no, no, no! I mean, like the previous week. The previous week, I haven't, I haven't done, I haven't done a huge amount of running. Um, in fact, the only running I did was when I was um, hooked up like Bane to a, uh, a, a treadmill and a, whatever the machine's called. Was Bane hooked up to a treadmill? No, no, but it, you look like Bane when you got that mask on, don't you? Oh, I thought you meant Bane had gone through some kind of lactic acid test. In the... <laughs> Yeah, did you not see see that episode of Batman? It wasn't very interesting. (laughs) I think it was sponsored by Nike. It was they they weren't very subtle about it. So you've um, you've been working out on a treadmill 
hooked up. I've been hooked. I got I hooked up on a treadmill. That's what my gym's like. It's full of millennials. No, I went to I I, I went and did my lactate threshold test and VO two max test at uh, at St Mary's, the uh, sports science uh, department, and uh, and it was pretty good. Um, I I got to see the um the chamber where uh, all the MDS is in, and it's like yeah all the MDSs are going to start now because they've obviously got a load of bookings and everything from yeah. uh, from all the uh, from all the city boys. So, um, so yeah. So, so they went in there at the same time. Uh, yeah. So no, it was, it's pretty good actually. I've never been to like a, uh, like a sports science uh, clinic and stuff like that. What, what I love about it is that, so they have all like this sort of like real high tech stuff. Uh, yeah. So they've got, yeah, all the computers hooked up to the, uh, to the mask and everything else. And then they've just got these little additions because the technology doesn't quite work when, when someone's running. So there's like little bits that are taped to you or a bit of string across something that you have to wrap things around. And I don't know, it's pretty good. I liked it. I, 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 felt, I felt like an athlete when I was, uh, when I was actually having all the, all the, all the like, computers going and stuff. It was great. Did you get the Hoff? I didn't get the Hoff, no. Ah. Oh. No, I didn't get the See, Hoff. And, um, and is this something you decided you wanted to have done or was it something they you know just came up or uh, like what was the reasoning behind it what right. was the thinking so i had so so it's, since i've been um working on running to my um uh, to my heart rate zones after we yeah. had the discussion um, which is still yet to be published with um <laughs> that fitzgerald um so i started i've been running to my heart rate zones and everything but there's something that's not felt right about it and for a long time i thought I don't know. I just I, I don't know that this is uh, that I'm running at the right pace. This feels mm. wrong, um, and all of the you know when you try and work at your max heart rate and things like that, it, 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 I don't know. None of it felt right. I, I just felt I felt I was doing it all wrong. Mm. And despite you know all the advice I got and everything, so I just thought, well, what you know, why don't I just go and get it done and actually see you know get it scientifically done and everything, um, and know once and for all whether it's right or not. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was quite pricey, 160 quid. Um, but uh, but you know, let's throw that cash at that, and uh, it's worth it. The thing is, it's worth it. If I'm if I if I'm limited in the amount of time that I can run each week, yeah, I need to make sure that all the time that I do spend is it, I'm doing something right, rather than spending the time in that middle zone and you know, um, in that medium intensity zone not working. So so it's worth doing. So I went along, um, got hooked. What, up what do they actually have you do then? So the first thing was the uh, lactate um, threshold test. So yeah. that was on a um, on a on a treadmill with um, uh, with the mask on, and then they take a uh, uh, like a lactate a blood um, sample from your ear, and then basically you go on the the running machine, and every uh, every three minutes uh, increases the um, the intensity the speed, mm. and so. Um, take a lactate test, and every three minutes they take another lactate um, test. And as well as the as well as the pace, increasing the pace, you also have to say where you are on the Borg scale of exertion. So you have to say, you know, yeah. this is like hard, medium, hard stuff like that. And um, yeah, and it do was they pretty... stop you to take the blood? So you basically just have to. You, you basically yeah, you jump up, you jump you know to the side, straddle it, take the blood, and then you get back on it again once they've. Increased oh my, it. It's, it's like getting your ears pierced multiple times. Yeah, yeah. You know, I used to have my ears pierced. Ah. I used to, have my, was, eye, uh, I used to have my eyebrow pierced as well, and my ears at university before it became which, popular. Another thing that which, I Which ear was it? It was this ear. It's this ear. It's, uh, still, it's at the top as that, well, at the top, not right at the bottom. 
And well, you had a chain. No, I didn't have a chain. No, no, I didn't. And who did you in when you got when you went in yeah. to the tattoo parlor? Who in your head did you think you were going to look like? Why would I go into a tattoo parlor? I thought that's where you got your ears pissed. Or did your sister do it? I got it done at Claire's Accessory. No, I didn't. I used to. I used. This was at university. I went to a place. Okay, okay this is dodgy. Isn't it? I used to go to this place in Manchester called Affleck's Palace, which. <laughs> Which anyone that went to University of Manchester will know. It's basically... It sounds like a nightclub. It does sound like a nightclub. It's one of those places that has... You go in, it's like a single building, but it has like 93 stall holders within it. Like someone, like there's someone who has all of their wares in one corner of one room. And there's another... You go into a room and there's like eight people selling in one room. And they had a, <laughs> they had a piercing studio in there. Uh, and I, I just... It was, it was like the most dangerous place. I... I'm 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 surprised I didn't pick up a hep of some sort or whatever. <laughs> but who who did you want to look look like? Who in your head did you think, yeah, hey, I'm being like James Dean here, or I'm being? Was there was there a look you were going for, like Robert from Robert for the Cure, or? Uh, no, there wasn't actually. No, but the thing is, when I had it done, like no one had the, had any piercings, like like piercings, like no one had tattoos. Do you remember when we were like seventeen, eighteen? Like someone having a tattoo was an unusual thing. Yeah. Unless, of course, yeah, yeah. you were in the army. Um, and someone having a piercing. Like, well, I remember I was like the first person in my hall to, uh, to get a piercing. And then everyone followed. I was just, I, what a trendsetter. MDS, piercings, you name it, whatever else. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, have you had a tattoo done? Oh, no, no, I've not had a tattoo. Okay, okay. I was yeah. once offered a, um, a, a very good return, should we say, from a lady if I was, got my eyebrow pierced. But uh, I just Sorry. couldn't do it. Sorry, what? You got a very she... good return from a lady if you got your eyebrow. Did you just quickly yeah. look round there to see whether Claire was in? <laughs> <laughs> I may have done. I may have done. <laughs> the university. She she basically offered me certain certain acts uh, if I had my eyebrow pierced, um, and I still didn't go through with it, which what, is amazing to me now. What, what, Maybe... what was she? Why did she want you to have your eyebrow pierced? She she really liked the look um, of men with their eyebrows eyebrows pierced. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, and I was I was that naive and that much of a good boy that I I didn't do it, which was um I and I didn't even pick up on the sign and the clue that maybe she was interested. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back now, I'm like, yeah. Oh no, that was a dead cert. <laughs> yeah, completely. I used to. I had a um, uh, my ex girlfriend at university who I still hung around with um afterwards, but. Uh, occasionally she would take it I, I had to have my eyebrow like pierced and re-pierced like three or four times because if I got when I got really drunk she'd like take it out um and uh, and it would heal up like really quickly as well to annoy you. yeah she'd just like take you know she'd do that thing where like she basically took everything off me she'd like take my wallet uh she'd take my <laughs> take my eyebrow ring she'd just take everything off me and then hide it and I was like what I don't know where you know you wake up and you're like I don't know where anything's gone and you're like who who takes wait, someone's eyebrow ring? Wait, I, I, wait, I assume she was your girlfriend at the time. It no, wasn't because no, no, it might. Ex- no, no, she wasn't. So, so you'd go back drunk with your ex-girlfriend, who'd then strip you. Uh, this this is a difficult <laughs> one to explain. <laughs> No, no, that's not what that's not what happened. Actually, I can't really remember. How did she strip me? That's a very, very good point. Well, it sounds like she did it several no, times. No, so this, this would be a normal conversation. Like, I'd wake up, I'd go out of my room, 
And I say to someone uh, who, who I, I was out the night before, I go, I have no idea where my wallet and my and, and whoever's taking this in. And they'll go, oh, yeah, so-and-so's got it. And she'd be, like, at her halls. And I'd have no idea how, how that came about. That so maybe you'd lot. take that it off. Maybe you'd take it off in public and walk home. No, no, I would never do that. How do we know? What, we Let's get her on the show. Let's get her. Who is she? What's her name? <laughs> no, no, she does. She does triathlons now. That's the worst part. Of oh, I knew. I, I knew. You know, you could tell someone's inherently evil, can't you? Can't yeah. you? It all comes out eventually. But um, and so, so was he using the same hole in your ear? The, no, no, uh, it wasn't. No, but he did. He did say that I bled quite a lot um, out my ear. I seem to have like very, very bloody ears. Um, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't you know. and Prince Charles. Okay. <laughs> no. So, so you, how, how long does he? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So, so it basically, does that? Uh, we do that three minute every three minutes um, for enough time for him to get these uh, these uh, lactate threshold threshold um, uh, readings, and then it sort of shows me a, the chart of whatever it is, and it. I, I don't really know what to make of it or anything. Um, but then, um, and then we've done that. That's great. And then it, it gives me it gives me a chance to relax because then we're going to do the VO two max test. And so the VO2 max test we do on uh, same treadmill and uh, we it's, it goes in minute increments, um, starts at a yeah. level that's um, uh, three, yeah, three below what uh, I finished on um, doing yeah. the lactate threshold and then stays at the same thing but um, increases the um, elevation each time. Okay. And so basically the whole point of the VO2 max test is to stay on there for as long as possible. Um, and so his, so it's great. So his bit of advice was, because what we're trying to do, we're trying to find what my max heart rate is, because that, you know, once we understand what the max heart rate is, I've got a good indication of what, you know, all the, all like training zones and everything as well. So, yeah. so start off on it. And his advice was, right, when you're running like this hard, best advice is relax. And I was like, right. It goes. That sounds ridiculous, I know, but just like relax. And I was like, okay, fine. It's real fine. buzz. It's real buzz. <laughs> yeah, it's good, cause take a slow cooker relax. with you. Smooth. Relax. Smooth. <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> juggle, juggle. So it takes your mind off the fact that you're running. <laughs> and do you know, but what? It actually worked. I, I did. I, I, I sort of like relaxed into it. I was doing, it. and. Um, uh, we, um, I can't remember. It, it felt like it was forever. It felt like I was mm. running forever, um, and we got it done. Everything and uh, yeah, and, and how long do you typically last on something like that? And uh, I mean, what is it? Two minutes? Is it ten minutes? Is it twenty minutes? I think it was about five minutes. I lasted sort of, sort of, in, you know. Um, it just didn't. It, what it does is like you get. You, it's, I don't know why it is. Um, in whether it's the human body or your mind or something, but you'll do something for a minute and you'll be feeling fine like until the last 15 seconds of it. And all of a sudden, that last 15 seconds seems to be the hardest 15 seconds of, of the thing. It's just, it's always the way that it works out. And I don't know, it's because, and I was thinking, oh, maybe it's because I know, but then he didn't tell me when the next next stage would start because I'd obviously, you know, artificially try and try and go for that. So the whole idea was just stay as long as possible. And then he got to a point where he was trying to encourage me to just stay on as, as long as I can or to get the maximum heart rate. And then when I think it gets to a point where the heart rate doesn't go up anymore, it doesn't really matter whether you get off or not. So I, I lasted what I thought was, was quite a long time, um, which can't have been that long because like literally within 10 seconds of getting off, I felt fine again. 
So I don't know. I like to think that's because I have brilliant recovery, but I think it's not <laughs> myself hard enough. But, the but one... then again, it, it might be that you were, you're doing um, anaerobic sprinting rather than aerobic. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, so he couldn't tell me a huge amount there because he was going to send me the results and, and I'm, still, I'm still to receive the results. Um, but the one thing that he did say that was unusual was um, that my maximum heart rate was really high. So uh, if you uh, use the standard uh, calculation for formulating your heart rate zones, you mm. work out you know, your, um, your maximum heart rate by it's 220 minus your age. Um, so for me, I'm 39, so that would be uh, 181. Is that right? 181? Um, so, yeah, so if you use the standard calculation, the calculations that most things are, are, are programmed to, to use and everything, that's, and so you can see you know, what, the, what the, the heart rate zones and everything would be for that. My um, my maximum heart rate is two oh nine. Whoa! You got the heart rate of an eleven year old. <laughs> he said wow! He said that's really unusual for someone my age. Yeah. Have you? I want to see your chest. See if you've got scars. Have what you, do you had mean? a? Have you taken? Have you had a, a transplant from someone? I don't know, but I don't know what that means. I don't know what whether that's good. I don't know whether that's bad. I don't know what that what that actually means. Whether that means anything or whether that's just yeah. that's just the way it is. Yeah, I don't know if it's good or, or bad because obviously the, the your a low resting heart rate is good. Yeah, but I don't know if that has any impact at all on your maximum. Yeah, so I mean, like, does that mean that if my low, uh, so like people would say like a thirty, you know, thirty beats per minute is a low heart rate. That's like a Tour de France cyclist mm. or something, isn't it? But if mine yeah. is like fifty, is that the equivalent of their thirty? I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean yeah. it's my my resting heart rate up so that I don't know. I don't know. So I, that's the thing I'm going to find out eventually when, um, when I send stuff through, but I, I, you know, immediately that points to the fact I've always thought I've had a, uh, I've had an issue with that with a, a higher heart rate, mm-hmm. because I remember whenever I've looked at those things, where it said what your maximum heart rate is. I always think, you know, it'll say 190 for my age or hundred, you know, whatever it was at the time. And I've always been well over it, well over it. Mm-hmm. I can't ever remember a time when it hasn't been like that. So, that has almost like vindicated the fact that I've done it. So we'll see what it means. I don't know. Um, if anyone does know, tell me in advance. But, um, but I'll be getting the results back this week. So, And it sounds like that's, as a percentage, a significant amount. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So that's going to um, make a massive difference to what my, what my zones are. And, and once you know that, is that essentially good for a year, I guess? Or, good, or, a pro- or probably a few years if you lose one a year. It's, it's not going to matter if you lose one or two heartbeats um, in that year you're still going to know approximately or yeah, does it so, change well he said he I, I said once i've done this is there any point in coming back and doing it again or anything he goes well it depends if you're losing weight and improving your fitness and everything else like that then it's worth coming back doing the lactate threshold definitely but um mm. i don't know if there's anything you can really do about the vo2 max um increase like increasing what your um your, your maximum heart rate is if it's but two, i mean 209 is high for um it's high for someone my my age, yeah. That's weird, isn't it? Like an eleven year old. You're right. Yeah, but then I I think I'd rather be like an eleven year old than a sixty year old, if I had the choice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was saying really awful then, but let's not go into that. <laughs> <laughs> not that that necessarily means it's it's healthier, but yeah, instinctively that's yeah. what. Would you be a sixty year old vegan or an eleven year old? Um, uh, crack smoking 
No, that's I, no, this is this is a terrible. Right. So, but the the <laughs> fundamental the fundamental question around this is how does that affect the sub four challenge? What does that mean in terms? So, so the training I've done so far uh, is likely to have been wrong, uh, or likely to have not not been as optimal as it should be. So, can I? I've I've, I've already written off the fact that I don't think I can do sub four, but mm. can these new results? Or is there anything in this that will allow me to change up my training to to make a difference? That's well. The, the thing is, I think um, I I don't know how much difference it would make to a certain extent because the real danger is that you're in zone three, and um, because your heart rate's so much higher, it should in theory mean that you've been just doing your long runs a lot slower and your easy runs a lot slower than you needed to, yeah. which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's more time on feet and it's frustrating and annoying. It takes longer, but you're not necessarily going into the wrong zone, which will tire you out. Um, and when you have you have you been doing your faster work to heart rate zones as well? Uh, no, I've just been doing it as hard as I can. Yeah, exactly. So if you're doing it as hard as you can, that's going to be in the right zone. That's yeah. going to be in zone one and zone two. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, those it's are easily the, in the zone one and two, yeah. Yeah, the, it's only potentially some of your tempo runs if you're trying to do... But the thing is, I've always, I've always trained off pace um, because there's nothing accurate enough, uh, which you now have. But um, So it could potentially be if you're going out and doing a four-mile tempo run where you're doing it to heart rate yeah. or a six-mile run to heart rate. That's the one that would be wouldn't be quick enough and you'd be in zone three yeah 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 that's a good point this all right so this question i want to ask you which um i was thinking about the other day and i i i saw i used to see this on training plans i don't know if they're still on training plans but um you used to have to do this thing where and i'm sure i don't know whether this is still popular or not you used to have to do this thing where you would go out on a run and you try to run at marathon pace for a certain portion of that run, um, and then you'd run, then you'd go back and be at like recovery rate and everything, and then you'd run another section of it at marathon pace. And eventually, those ones that you're running at marathon pace, you would get longer and longer, and the, the recovery section would get less and less, and then you'd end up running the whole thing at marathon pace. Yeah. But wouldn't that be putting you in that that middle zone? The no, it should. Well, I mean, those those training plans are they they tend to be the slower training plans where you it, it's to make up for the fact that you can't keep marathon pace up to start with for right. very long. Um, but actually, it's it's if you're actually, I don't. We should have asked Matt. I'm not sure on that one. I don't know whether your recovery rate would fall into that. But instinctively, I don't think so. I think the slower rate that you'll be doing would be zone four and five your slow rate yeah. and then your your marathon pace should be zone two it's not from what matt was saying it was zone your marathon two marathon pace and, should be zone two yeah oh should it yeah marathon pace is quick the thing is that unless you're training for a marathon if you if you but when you t when you follow a training plan that's a marathon training plan you're doing 40 to 60 miles and most people never run 40 to 60 miles in their training right. so actually so when when you change from doing your one two week runs a week and try and do something at the pace at which you can do the marathon 
when you've tapered and you've trained at 40 to 60 miles a week, it's pretty quick. Um, so even for me to go on a Thursday and run at marathon pace, I can only do it for probably up to about 10 miles. And that's on a good day yeah. because it, it, it is significant. You know, it's, it's only 40 seconds slower than my 5k pace. Oh, okay. Like, like no one tells you this. Like no one tells you this. I because I was thinking that my the the pace at which I need to run the marathon is much slower. No, I mean it. The, it it's it it does change the the wider the gap. But I mean the general rule is you take your half marathon time, and you add you double it, and you add between the very best would be six minutes, but six to 20 minutes. So it's not that much different than your half marathon pace and your half marathon pace is probably your 10 K pace, um, adjusted and then adding a minute. So, you know, they, you're really only losing like my 5k pace to my half marathon pace would be about 20 seconds a mile. And then same again, half marathon pace to, um, marathon pace would be 20 seconds. So it is pretty quick still. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, this you... is good. This is good. I might, well, I might actually be back on track here. Well, have you, have you been? Have you any used any of the calculators, um, the race time predictors, the pace calculators, things like that? Uh, I haven't actually. I, I, I used to do it ages ago when I was like doing, but none of it, again, none of them seemed to. Um, uh, none of them gave me the results I wanted, so I ignored them. <laughs> It's like when you go through the Marathon Expo and then you go to this stand where it's got Lucas and it's got all the um the what's it called the the race pace things on yeah. your wrist and you're like going yeah I could do three thirty I'm gonna get a four fifteen just in case though <laughs> yeah, like, I've been there before in pacing like I'm gonna get these three just just to uh, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like a mile in you're like well three thirty's coming off that's far too yeah, fast. Yeah. Good day, what I hope for, what I'll get. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's quite interesting. The um, and I've because I've I've created quite a few of these um for the Caffeine Bullet website. Yeah. So actually, a bit of a plug. But if you go on caffeinebullet.com, it's got the marathon plans, sixty minute plans, and it's also got the pace calculator and the race time predictor, and there. They're, they're pretty good. They followed some, I can't remember the name of the two guys who came up with the, the algorithms, but it, it's a scientific algorithm. And, and the thing is, if you think about the, your marathon pace, um, your marathon pace is based on how fast you're going to be at the, in, you know, by April the 20th. Yeah. When, when you, you've been training loads and you've, you've relaxed a bit and you've, you know, you've tapered. And so you're looking at it now thinking, and so that pace there compared to your pace now you could do a marathon is, is massively different. But also even your 5K pace when you get to marathon day is going to be so much quicker than your 5K pace is now. Okay. And so your training at your, your, your future marathon pace, even though unless you've been training incredibly hard at shorter stuff, your 5k pace is going to be pretty slow compared to your 5k pace marathon day. Oh, okay. Well, that makes me feel better about things. Yeah. So um, have a look on the calculator. And I mean, that, that's partly why a lot of people do half marathons in the marathons in marathon season. You get a couple of them in there. 
partly for practice, partly because it's a pretty good training run, but more than anything else, it's by far the most accurate predictor of what your math and time will be. Right. Uh, and quite a few people from my club, there's you'll see in some race calendars, there will be in March time, 20 mile races, yeah. which are really weird mileage and distance to run. But actually, a lot of people from our club who are more experienced runners will go and do it um, and do it flat out because that is then an f- even more accurate predictor of what they'll do come marathon day because it's so close to the 26. Um, I mean, I wouldn't advise it unless you're an experienced runner just because if you race 20 miles, it's going to take you three weeks to recover from really, whereas half marathon in a couple of weeks, fine. Um, yeah, but so have a go and have a play. And then, and actually the good thing is these, these zones that will come back, hopefully they'll show you where, where you should be running yeah. for your speed. And so you won't even have to look at the the number, the pace, and be worried about it or excited or daunted. You just get out there and follow the heartbeat. Yeah, no, exactly. So I'm 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 really pleased I've done it. Really pleased that it's. Um, I, I just I just want to know that I'm running within the right zones. That's you know the certainty that you're doing that it makes makes all the difference. And um, so yeah, so I'm 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 feeling pretty confident now um, uh, as a result of it. And of course, you know we've got some. Um, We've got our DNA tests coming up as well. Ah, uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, oh, I don't know what they're going to say. What they're going to say. So, listeners, if you if you're new to the show, basically, we've um, we've taken the most. Well, there's all these little boxes where you can get your fitness tick box for DNA. You can get your diet. You can find out your ancestry. I think we're just getting the whole lot, but none of us have read any of the results because. <laughs> Actually, I did. I, 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 we think I think it'll be a better show, but um, maybe oh, I don't know. I, I think it'll be better to have it unveiled. But we're hoping that that's going to be transformational in our diets, in our training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The problem is, Jody, you've been eating too much X, and they're going yeah. to get rid of that, and all of a sudden you're going to be an absolute superhero. The yeah. like as as I keep, as I keep repeatedly saying, they tell me that I should be a sub three sub three runner because i have like amazing genetics and you i've just worked so hard in the opposite direction i'll be so disappointed but the fact is we we don't know we don't really know what the importance of dna is in terms of your genetics maybe, in terms of because maybe he does well that's it that well that's what i'm hoping maybe he does and maybe he can tell us because what you know, if he tells it, you that what what if being a, veg- a vegan is the worst thing? You he's like whatever you do, don't be a vegan. Um, then that is just something that I'll have to live with. Okay, okay. <laughs> like yes, I'm I... out of running again. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I'm vegan too. Can I sit on the, sit on my ass and do nothing? No, but I've been I've been thinking of comrades actually because they've someone's just sent over the Strava. Um, route and you can see the elevation and uh i think i should do it i think i need to do a heart rate test as well because just looking at it the so the final third is about two thousand meters of descent there's still ups and downs there's still ups in that um but just looking at that course i'm like how am i going to be able to pace this i've never done a race where it's so um, changeable where well, you won't be able to get a single bit of um of just smooth running um because you, you're it's either it's either up or down essentially and normally races you're doing the up you're doing the down and you know the hard bit 
and you've got some good running in between. And but this is so so choppy that um, and so bumpy. I think the only way I can potentially pace is by heart rate. Is there um? So when we were talking to this, it doesn't make it's not going to make any sense to any listener because they weren't there with us listening to Matt Fitzgerald. So um, I apologise, but you this will make a lot more sense. But is that where power comes in? Is that where the the, the reading of power is is actually it can be really valuable? I don't know actually because I don't know much about power because it tends to be more of a cycling trend. But I think the I mean the good thing about the lactic is when you cross your lactic threshold you're basically on a on a time bomb and it's every kind of every second that you're above your lactic threshold you're burning the fuse and at some point that's it you're done and so by knowing where that line is and your heart rate is one indicator of that heart rate's your kind of secondary yeah. indicator well, that's why they still prick your blood because um your heart rate can't tell you as accurately as your, the lactate level in your blood can um but yeah by by knowing where that line is it means you can just like like John Alvin does when he trains you can just dip slightly below that line and you depending on the length of race you know i've just got to stay at this intensity and then by sticking at that if you go uphill, you slow down because some people running uphill seven minute mile is so different to a similarly a talented runner who's bad uphills. Yeah. He might have seven fifteens. And so you don't know. It's so hard to judge when you're, you, you can do it to feel to a certain extent, but when you're running downhill, I can never, I've got, I've never got any sense of how hard I'm running because I'm just, having such fun and I'm like so excited and I'm probably going way too fast or, um, and similarly uphill, you know, maybe I should be going harder or so I think maybe I need to adopt your strategy because it's the only way I can actually properly pace for a race where I've got no experience of running that kind of distance in those kind of hills. Yeah. I think it's worth doing, you know, just to have like, just have the, uh, the, the real results there. There's no, there's nothing you know about it that you could do. It's so funny, isn't it? The, the thing I was talking to him about how it's now just available to, because um, I was I was explaining to him how you know thank that they're getting so much business thanks to the MDS being popular mm. because of because of me. I, I and I, I highlighted all that. Um, and do they also do ear piercings as well? They do. They do both now. See, <laughs> I, I I told the story to him as well, and they're going to offer ear piercings along with MDS tattoos pre-MDS tattoos nice soon you won't even have to run the MDS you'll just have to say I signed up for the MDS and that's going to be the new thing that's going to be the new Iron Man perfect but well let's make let's make Iron Man transfers that's you can get Iron Man transfers but they sold out of them I found them on the uh, really yeah absolutely they sold out official or yeah I think they are official yeah of course they're official that's for you know all right let's make our own ones but um but listeners, have you have you guys done any testing? Have you had your lactic done, your heart rate done? Any other things that have been useful, have been, well, a waste of time? Let us know your thoughts and uh, your advice and your horror stories and your glory stories yeah. as well. I mean, to be fair, fair I've, you know, I got, I got most of this um, without knowing that you went to uh, St. Mary's. I asked on the group um, for anyone that was doing it, and it was mostly do-badders who uh, suggested um, so most of them are the ones that have been to, to MDS and everything. So, it's a pretty cool campus, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is cool. It is really cool. 
terrible parking though. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a great campus. Um, well, that's where Mo Farrow was, where Colin McCourt was, um, where Dale was. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like it's just see it like set up like that. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How that is all available now to us if we just pay money for it. Yeah, you, know, you would yeah. normally like yeah. You know, what's it called? Like like fifteen years ago, they'd never have thought there's a market for you know just any old Joe blogs off the street who fancies going for a run, having a like lactate threshold test and stuff like that. I don't think. I don't think they market it all very well. I think they, I think they could do a much yeah. better job. Um, but even the idea of ten years ago, someone came up to him saying, "Right, we're going to put you on a treadmill, and every ten minutes, every three minutes, I'm going to prick your ear to take blood." <laughs> what are you on about, mate? Why, why my ear? <laughs> what are you going to do? That you're looking at lactic. What the? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? There's, so, there's something just so like indulgent, like which. Half of me was going, when I was going there, I was thinking, okay, this is great, I'm getting all this sorted out. Other half was going, going well, you're not exactly Mo Farah. I mean, this isn't like, you're going to like a high-performance sports science centre, you know, sort of like one of the best in the country, and you literally are going to be the unhealthiest, slowest, <laughs> least athletic person there that I've ever had. They might even take a photo of you and put a plaque up and everything. It's not, it's not that bad. I, I, I'm absolutely sure that there's... Yeah, but. But it's funny, isn't it? It's like, you know, my, like, it's not as if like my level of performance. So, but actually, this is something that will make a big difference to how I train. Um, and it's something yeah. that's going to be really useful. So it, it's, it, while, while I you know, initially thought it is self-indulgent, now that I know the truth about it, it's actually incredibly useful um, because I can just use my time more effectively and make sure that I am training in the right zones and make sure that all the, all the running that I do is actually going towards something is valuable. Well, um, while while we're kind of talking about technology and how that you can aid us, have you heard of um, ketone yet? Ketone. Yeah, K E T O N E. So, what's this related to? But, so, this is new super fuel. Right. Okay. Discovered. So, so okay. So, like, uh, like, you've got these like keto diets and stuff like that. So, how is it? How is it related to that? Oh, I I don't know about the keto diets, but so. Um, is the the keto diets are things where they eat um, the coffee where you have butter with? Oh, what the bulletproof stuff? Um, bulletproof stuff, yeah. No, but it's like so you you get your body to a state of ketosis, don't you? So that it's burning. It's but it, I can't. I don't know like the exact stuff about it. If you if you listen to like any of the Tim Ferriss podcasts, they're obsessed with talking about it. Like people on there goes, oh yeah, how do you get yourself into into ketosis like in in like hours or whatever. But it's all about a way of like burning fat. Um, so this this is the basically there's this company called I think they're pronounced human, but it's a an upside down A as a V, and there's no U. And they're um, mega cool biotech startup in I assume Silicon Valley, some of that. And they've they've come up with quite a few weird products. But one of them is um, this ketone, where supposedly you've got we know about two ways of fueling. You've got your fats and you've got your carbs, your glucose. And, and those are converted and used in different ways, like different times. But apparently they've discovered this new energy, um, which is when you break down fats, you don't actually burn the fat. Fat is then converted into ketone, which it then uses. And so they have uh, brought out this product, which they've said... Uh, you can use this and instead of worrying you know about using up all your glycogen you can use this as well 
and it's a completely new energy source and it and they made some pretty big claims about how much better it was uh how how much more uh, longer how much longer you go until exhaustion but how much do you think a bottle of ketone is oh this stuff's big business how 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 big is the bottle um so it's 25 grams you how get that last? Three, you get that's one dose you get three doses in a pack so how much do you think a pack is tenner hundred dollars <laughs> what yeah hundred dollars what that's the thing you, you can't even tr- you can't even try it to find out if it's going to work without spending a hundred dollars because the thing about ke- um, uh, ketone is that you measure it in your in your blood uh, your 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 urine or your blood and so you have like I, th- I think it's th- don't isn't this what diabetics test for when they so like you have like these the people who are t- seeing whether they've got into a state of ketosis by using these diabetes packs for to measure what their to measure what their levels are. I've no, I mean this is the first I've heard of ketone. Oh, I mean, is it? I, I think we I think we both know completely different information that doesn't overlap in any way. <laughs> it's like the most <laughs> awkward, annoying com- <laughs> conversation where we we can't seem to help each other with with our limited. I know. Yeah, I don't. I, I like. I know of it. I know it's talked about all the time um, in relation to it. It's, a, it. it's 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 one of those um, you know high fat, low carb um, diets. Uh, you know, and it how's it like it breaks down fat for energy, and you know, um, and it, you know, it also like this like intermittent fasting is a big part of that as well. Um, so they've they've said that. So this is their their. Um... Oh no! I think I found something on this. Here we go. Human HVMN. Yeah, yeah. So they've said that ketone is twenty eight percent more efficient than just carbs, and that. Um, because it changes the metabolism in a fundamental way, um, the athletes go approximately 2% further in a 30-minute time trial, which is a big claim. 2%. So, I mean, they were saying that you're, you're going to ride about 300 metres extra in, uh, in, a time, in a cycling time trial. But um, if you could take 2% of your marathon... Which and with your three doses, it's worth it. Hundred dollars. Yeah, worth it, definitely. That's the trouble now. So you've got, so you've got this. That's a hundred dollars. If you buy Nike Vaporfly, they're meant to be four percent. Right. They. So I was speaking, speaking to Rich, um, who was at the Craft Half. He um, he's bought a pair of Vaporfly because he's trying to go sub two thirty in the marathon, and he's had to buy them on the second-hand market because Nike haven't got them anywhere. And so now um, it, it makes such a difference that people are selling them for kind of $300, 300, sorry, 300 pounds, 350 pounds. Really? Yeah. And so if you if you get that and you get these, assuming they both work, you're looking at you know, 400 pounds to guarantee up to six, well, not guarantee, but to, to hope for up for six, 6% improvement. Do you get your, is there a money back guarantee? Oh, I should ask. I mean, p- part of me likes the fact that they've thought, sod it, we make it. You're going to have to pay an absolute crap load if you want it. But then again, it just makes it so out of reach for, for this anyone. This is what you should do. This is what you should do. You should, like, 
release a certain amount of caffeine bullet when people understand what caffeine bullet can do, <laughs> like restrict the market Apple style, have people dealing well, the, it. These guys have a similar product. Oh, do to, they? To caffeine bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When um, I, that's how I first heard about them because um, a friend of mine sent me because the, these guys are one of the first biotech companies that have been making money from almost their their offing. So they're I've read an article about them where supposedly they're they're all doing the fasting diet they only sleep two hours a night yeah. or two hours in the day and their whole company is i mean it sounds like a horrific company to work for because they're all fine-tuning and playing with all these um it's biohacking it's all biohacking yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah but they're all doing that so that they can all work 20 hour days every day so their whole company has got this ethos like we're biohacking so we can just work constantly and never be we're tired. Gonna, we're we're going to die of old age at 30. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's one of their things. They've got go cubes, they're called, and they're, they're, they're a bit like shot blocks, but they've got caffeine in, essentially. And they um, thankfully, they're really expensive as well, which I'm very <laughs> pleased about. So, it's the price yours um, just very slightly below them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, it's interesting when, even now, you know, when I'm I'm looking at my times that I've run, and I don't want people to be able to get faster, easier. Well, no, that's the thing, isn't it? This is, I mean, like this is this is performance enhancing. You can buy your way to extra speed. Yeah, and running's turning into cycling. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That's exactly what's happening. Cheating, more and more cheating, <laughs> working its way in. But it is, isn't it? It is. It is cheating. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, it's legal. That's the, that's the trouble. Well, but, it's only legal. Yeah. It's only legal in the sense that you know that there hasn't been enough of an outcry. Yeah, that's true. And and the trouble will be at some point. What happens if only one sponsor? wins everything because their trainers are so good or their fuels are so good and so, so it's more like f1 then, it's more like f1 uh, man. yeah whoever's yeah, got the bed, i mean know. that almost happened with the, that happened with the swimsuits didn't it the um the wetsuits that were so much better yeah and so they had to win them because all the times have been crashed but um yeah interesting stuff interesting stuff um if anyone else knows some superfoods or some uh legal <laughs> <laughs> Legal um, ways of improving your time that we might not have heard of. Send them in. Uh, we, we haven't. We haven't. I was, I was thinking about this the other day. The hemp oil situation. Have you been using the hemp oil? No, I kind of. I stopped partly because I wasn't sure how legal it was. It is. Totally, hemp oil's totally, totally normal. You should just be drinking that stuff every day. Yeah, but it was just making me so tired. <laughs> That's a perfect thing for a, for a, a supplement for exercise. What? It's making you yeah. tired. I don't know if I was taking it at the wrong kept, time. I kept having the munchies and listening to reggae. I don't know what was wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> this was how we found uh, Baby Come Back again. But um, but yeah, it, yeah. But I'd, I'd wake up every morning feeling as if I'd been, you know, knocked out of a cricket bat the night before. Um, and but also, I tried it for a bit, and then like, I, it's so hard to actually tell if something makes a difference if it's supposedly. It builds up over time. It helps you recover a bit more. Um, you you're ne- you never notice it day to day, and so I just thought, is it worth doing something that I could be called a cheat for, when there's no, no you know, there's no evidence that it helps, and yeah. it's potentially circumstantial, and I just feel awful every morning. 
So no, it's, um, if anyone wants some hemp uh, hemp oil, I've got some spare. I've got some hemp sweets. Great, great um, advert. Great advert for that hemp oil. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 he wants yeah. to oh, take no. it off me because it makes you feel. <laughs> it makes me feel uh, tired and uh, not great, and uh, I think it's illegal. But I've I've kept it just in case. But if you'd you like know, to sponsor us, uh, if you'd like a sponsor us in any way, we'll always give a really good talk up for your product. <laughs> But should we um should we move on to our to our guest today? Oh, let's not let's not talk about this. We everyone's sick of it already, and they don't really talk. Are they? Or Are they? or just the three people that that seem to uh, you, you chat to most of the group? Yeah, that's possibly it. So um so there's there's a little bit behind this as well. Actually, we'll talk about that afterwards. We'll talk about that afterwards because you mentioned it in the in the uh, in the interview as well. So so David has um interviewed uh, it's, a, it's an exclusive here with no one else has been able to interview this person um for a, a very hush hush event that was run um a few a few weeks ago called the um mongol 100 and um yeah so, yeah, so uh so we've got we've got the we've got the download on it um from uh, miss ali bailey herself and uh yeah so you you spoke to her about it Absolutely. Well, we tried to coordinate all three of us, but um, yeah, we've uh, we've chatted to Ali. And if you don't know about the event, Rat Race, who we've, we've done loads of their races, uh, we love them as a brand. They're now branching out to try and, and take Epic, I guess, to the next level, where I think they've seen the MDS market and they've thought, we could do that and better. We'll have some of that. There's enough city boys. They're not all going, yeah. to, they're not all going to Frankfurt or Berlin. <laughs> There's still yeah. going to be some of them left. Absolutely. So they, I mean, this is just one of their projects. They've had three, I think, but they've got more in mind. But this was to go to Mongolia to run for the first time across a hundred mile lake, frozen lake. And they took out six untrapped, untrapped discoverers, of which four were do-badders. Um, <laughs> That's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? That's amazing that you'd invite four do-badders to something as dangerous as a lake race. <laughs> Yeah. So um well we'll um we'll let Ali take over from here. So uh yeah, it's a great story. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome Ali Bailey! Yay! I came back from Mongolia. Yeah, I mean we we've been hearing bits about it through Facebook, but um I mean where to start? How are you? I'm really tired. But I've got all my fingers and I've got all my toes. And in a way, I'm kind of gutted that I've got all my fingers and toes because I was hoping to lose one. But the only injury I have is a burn on my hand from holding onto like a, a hot pipe in the gut. So I went to the coldest place on earth and I got yeah. burned. Amazing. Is it the coldest place on earth? It was so cold. I don't know if it was the coldest place on earth, but it was it was 10 degrees below Antarctica at all times. <laughs> 10 degrees below Antarctica. Does that lake ever thaw then, or is that a constantly frozen lake? No, it thaws. It, it's frozen for about three months of the year. Okay. Four, three or four months of the year. So it does thaw, but even the Mongolians one night were like, it was cold last night, wasn't it? We were like, <laughs> yeah, it was cold. It was so cold. But it's a, it's a weird cold because it's, it's dry, so everything is dry. So you, when you sweat, it turns straight into snow literally in your jacket and snow is like coming out the bottom of your jacket and when you sit on the ice it's dry and so it's not like being in the uk you know how it's windy and wet and you're yeah. always a bit dizzy. it's not like that but, but you know it's cold you take your gloves off because you're constantly taking your gloves off to do stuff and you've got like 90 seconds before they go numb it's horrible 
Whoa, whoa. But just to, for the for the new listener who has not been in the Facebook group and progr- well, ch- charting what's been happening, um, explain to us what has happened, essentially. What happened was Lee Stewart Evans, who is one of the irritating admins in the Bad Boy Running Group, sent me a Facebook message saying, do you want to go on an adventure? And I said, yes, I do, as long as it's not cold. And then he sent me this. <laughs> so... This was a recce for Rat Race. They're doing um, Rat Race are doing this uh, list of races called the Bucket List races. They're doing a hot one. Well, the, where, did one, you say Bucket List or? Bucket, yeah, Bucket <laughs> List. Bucket List. Bucket list. <laughs> um, they so they're doing a hot one in the desert. They're doing one in the jungle and they're doing a cold one in Mongolia. So this was basically a recce for us to go out and see if it was possible to do. Um, and this one is called Mongol 100 by any means. So you can run it, you can skate it, you can ski it, or you can bike it. Oh, just, I like that. You just got to traverse the lake by any means. Um, but I was like, I'm going to run it because that's what I do. And I'm not cheating. I'm not going to use a bike. Is that Lee, why we saw G-Law on a bike? Yeah, no, it wasn't G-Law, it was Lee. G-Law didn't touch the bike. <laughs> he was like, I'm not interested. He actually called the bike a cheap machine. But, um, <laughs> Some people like some people skated bits of it. Some people skied bits of it. Um, some people rode the bike for bits of it. And then we had these little ponies who had uh, sledges that were basically our pacers. And some people got on the sledges. But um, I think me and Gilor and Darren, we were the three people that did the whole thing on foot because I wanted to do the whole thing on foot. It was yeah. awesome. Well, I mean, before we um, before we went, I said the one thing you had to make sure was that no matter how friendly you were, everyone, no matter how much jesting, there was going to be only one person to truly cross to the other side by foot first. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't me. Oh, no, what happens? There were two boys there. Like, there was a guy called Darren who's really, really good, and then yeah. there was G-Law. So, and also, do you know what? It kind of wasn't a race because no one knew what they were doing. We didn't know how our spikes would react. We didn't know how our outfits would be or how how we didn't know how to fuel because you can't fuel how do you fuel everything's frozen my gels were solid everything was frozen gels i had yeah of course i did i had a caffeine bullet and it was like a rock we had to stuff it all down our fronts to warm it up oh, i didn't God. want it to warm my gel up but we didn't know what we were doing so darren was really quick and um he i think every day he came in first but um it's like it's so hard to breathe out there. Even breathing is difficult. You come out the airport, you take a breath in, you start coughing because it just hits the back of your lungs and you're like, oh, I'm going to die. So when you're running, you've got to be really careful because you can run. I could probably run for about five or six minutes, then I had to walk for a minute. Wow. And, and I assume you were going in fairly fairly fit. Yeah, I was really fit because I've been, you know, I did the Ultra 100 last year. I kept training since that. So, um, but it was ridiculous. It's also 5,000 feet above sea level. So it's, there's got a bit of altitude in there. Um, and yeah, none of us, like I say, none of us really knew what we were doing, but I, there was another girl out there who was doing it, but she used the bike a lot and she, uh, used the ponies a lot. So I was the only one to do it on foot who's a girl, but I didn't win. And also no medals. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone in the group always complains about people who are obsessed with medals. I love medals. (laughs) So to a certain extent it's justice, but let's, um, let's take it back to the start. So, um, if you're if you're a new listener, the Rat Race are an events organised in the UK. We I've personally done a lot of their races, but a lot of the do batters have, have partaken in. They did the obstacle race series, survived the fittest, dirty weekend, which is the biggest obstacle 
course in the world. They do um, kind of mini ultras and ultras, things like Manby Mountain, Manby Lakes, um, and some fairly chunky races like the Crossing and Country to Capital, where you'll do cycling, running, uh, kayaking for a few days. This, I mean, this is a level above, though. Um, I mean, how? Well, I, was, I was sat with Claire thinking about you guys out in Mongolia, and what we were laughing about was, given that this is probably one of the most extreme activities you call races you can do in our head most people had about two weeks preparation i mean when, when did you find out about it how, how long in advance we found out um so i think i decided to do it in november last year mm. and then um the problem was how can you like prepare for this because you can't go sit in a freezer you can't go anywhere except mongolia because of this dry cold Somebody said to me that they could get me in a meat freezer. Like, it was like minus 38. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, no, I don't want to go in there. But so, with, you know, you think about it, you try and do research, but no one's done it before. So you, it's so hard to research it, it's so hard to get ready. Um, you know, with kit and stuff, it's like you're literally just feeling your way in the dark. Because um, what, what do people do when they go to, on these Antarctic marathons or Arctic marathons? Well, they're different, those ones, because they're a different type of cold, and they're not as cold. This one was fully supported, obviously. A different so, type of cold? Yeah, it's a wet cold, and it's different. Like, if you get wet, you will get frostbite, but you're not going to get wet, so you get, like, frost nip instead, which means that it's a similar sort of thing, but because your hands aren't wet, it's the air that's going to that's gonna do it, not the wet in the air. It's completely bizarre. So... You know, we found out in November. We had a meeting in December. We went and met in um, a pub and had a look at a map and yeah. asked. We had a guy looking after us called David Scott, who um, runs a company called Sandbaggers, and he's been out there for like 30 years. Um, Is that so he David knows Scott of the Antarctic? David Scott of the Antarctic. No, just a guy <laughs> called David Scott okay. who was looking after us. And um, he had loads of advice because he's been out there for like 30, 30 years. So yeah. he knows about it. Um, and... You know, but to be honest with you, he was like, I'm, he's not a runner, so he doesn't, and no one's done it before, so he's like, I don't, I can't answer your questions on kit, but yeah. I can answer questions on keeping safe, eating, keeping hydrated, because you're cold, so cold you don't want to eat, and you don't want to drink, but you have to, because you're going to the loo all the time, because you're cold, it's bizarre. Um, so, so being cold makes you go to the toilet? Yes. Huh, okay. It really does. Ask Pete Reese. It makes you go to the toilet. <laughs> we can't, we're judging it off Pete Reese. Yeah, we're that, that guy will have a toilet break on the way back from the toilet. Yeah, so, and, uh, and everybody else in the tent in the middle of the night when it's dark trying to find your way out of the tent. And some people didn't want to go out of the tent, so they didn't go out of the tent. But that's a different story. Oh, um, no. Is that Lee Stuart Evans? No, it wasn't actually Lee. Lee was quite well behaved. But, um, but yeah, with the preparation was, do you know what I mean? I just didn't like... I couldn't do anything. I just had to keep myself fit mm. and buy all the kit that I could. But even if you go into like Ellis Brigham and say, hi, um, which gloves are going to be okay for minus 50? They look at you like you're mental because people don't ask them that question. So it was real trial and error. But the thing is, it was a really good little group. And I bought a lot of stuff with me, um, more stuff than I needed. Like I bought four pairs of spikes because I didn't know which ones were going to work, which was lucky because Lee's broke in the first hour of the first day. So we had spare spikes. We had spare gloves. We lost so many gloves. And when you say yeah. spikes, are these things that clip around a normal pair of running shoes or are these specific? Yeah, so they clip around a normal pair of running shoes, um, but 
uh, we had I bought some cheap ones and I bought some mid-range ones and I bought some really expensive Cthulhu ones which mm. looked like some kind of tortured garden they're ridiculous mm. um, but the Cthulhu's were by far and away like the best because the ice is like running on glass and they kind of dig into it uh, the rest of them everyone else's spikes bits of them were falling off um, you know they were snapping Lee's snapped after an hour on the ice <clears throat> so I had a spare pair in my bag and also I needed a belt for my salopettes. I didn't have a belt and I had to put my salopettes on. So we fashioned a belt out of the straps on his spikes. It was quite funny. We were like Bear grills. Um, but yeah, it was all tra- every day was trial and error. The first day was proper trial and error. But then by the third day, we kind of all nailed it. Um, and yeah, I think we could pro- probably could have gone on for another few days. But um, it's just like everything's freezing all the time. You got to keep your body warm. Your buffs are like freezing around your face to the point where they're rock solid, and you and you take them off and they're completely rock solid. So you got to have loads of buffs, loads of stuff to put around your neck. Um, you've got you've got to have like eight pairs of gloves because you're going to lose two pairs. Um, it was yeah, it was it was really hard to kind of get ready for it, but I just made sure I took loads and loads of warm stuff with me, and it was fine. I didn't get changed for five days. Once I got the kit, <laughs> it didn't take it off for five days. It was disgusting. Well, I guess you, it just freezes out, doesn't it, or the sweat? And, and and so when you when you arrived in Mongolia, then were you straight out to the the lake? Yeah, so we arrived. Um, we arrived at Ulaanbaatar, and we got a chartered flight, like a little twelve seater plane, um, out to uh, our kind of base camp, and we had half a day of kind of messing about, like mm. admin. We all got dressed. We went on the lake. It was, we were like kind of, kind of like tiptoeing on it, like it was going to break. Um, <laughs> we had to do like little half mile runs up and down the lake in our spikes to see how warm we were. But do you know what? This was the this was the southern end of the lake, and we were going to drive to the northern end to run north to south. And the northern end is much colder than the southern end. I say much colder, like maybe ten degrees. Yeah. Um, and the ice is completely different. There's so many different types of ice. There's like ice that's like trails in you know the forest that's like roots and bits are sticking out of it and then there's this really clear ice it's like glass and there's ice that looks like water and there's ice that looks like jellyfish and so it's all different sorts of terrain even though it's on the same lake and just running on the way you run and how it reacts to you is it different as well yeah, it's different so you know i only fell over twice but that's because i was being an idiot and i was you know thinking i could trip over these jump over these little shards of ice that are poking out and you can't because they're rock hard and um, they're not going to break um but you don't expect that you think oh once you're on it you're on it like running on a road yeah not like that because it's it's so cold it freezes the lake freezes in waves so and it also cracks so you can hear it cracking as you run not under you but around you and it's really loud it's like thunder um (laughs) and it's scary because you kind of want to run away from it but you can't because it's everywhere because um, was there an element when on that first day where people weren't convinced that it was safe, that it wasn't going to crack? I mean, who was who was taking the the biggest risk to start with? Would you say? Like, of course, like it's like human nature. You're like, don't go on the ice; the ice will break, right? But the yeah. ice was it's 70 centimeters thick, and they tested it before we went out there by drilling holes in it. But that and, really uh, doesn't seem that thick. It's quite thick. It's nearly a meter, and. Um, they reckon it's 15 centimetres is, is how deep it needs to be to hold a man and a horse. Okay. And they've got trucks. They've got trucks driving over the sides. Like we were in we four <laughs> trucks. And every time you came across a crack, the guys, the Mongolians would get out and have a look at the crack and then get everyone out of the van and then drive at like 80 miles an hour across the crack. <laughs> like, get back in again. And we're like, OK. But were the Mongolians fairly crazy then? They were hilarious. They were so, so brilliant. And none of them spoke any English. So um, that was 
just brilliant. But um, and did so, you have a translator? Yeah, we had yeah we had David and we had okay. one of the Mongolians spoke really good English, so that was fine. But um, we uh, the first day that basically we got there, we had a little play around on the ice. We decided what we were going to wear on our feet. We had our dinner. Woke up the next day, and we had to drive up to the start, which took five hours on the lake. So the vans are driving on the lake, which was really good because. Then you're like, it's normal. It gets normalised. Like, yeah, eh, drive an icy lake. It's fine. Um, and we got out. We had a little mess, mess about in the lake. We had a picnic on the lake. and But we were all, like, tiptoeing around it like it was going to break. But, but it was really good because we heard the cracks. We heard the bangs. We asked what they were. They explained it. And so by the time we started running the, the following morning, we were kind of cool with it. Yeah. And you get a little bit blasé about it um, until you find this massive crack or you find a crack with a hole with water coming through because we did find a few of those. But to be quite honest with you, you know, they're like, you're not going to fall through the ice. Nothing bad's going to happen and you get used to it. It's like anything. It's like bungee jumping or like, you know, jumping yeah. out of a plane. It's like, it's, it's not going to, it's not At least with bungee dump, jumping, you know that people have actually tested the elasticity of the uh, of the cable and thousands of people have done it before whereas you literally are the first people ever to do this yeah yeah but it's okay because we're you know i've seen the trucks drive over it so it's fine um it that wasn't that that bit wasn't scary for well personally it wasn't scary for me and i kind of got over that the thing that was scary was being on your own because it's fucking huge it's it's 85 miles long and 25 miles wide this lake oh wow because we're all running at different paces you find yourself on your own like and you and you look around and there's nothing there's no ponies there's no cars and you're like jesus like if the lake suddenly opened i'd be dead so at the start then you're i mean how how does it work what are you carrying what 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 are the are there um aid stations how Mm. do you know where you're going so the trucks the the trucks will drive out first and the horses with the sledges will drive out with us so it's almost like everyone's kind of got we were kind of in pairs like Gilor and Darren were the fastest so they stuck together me and Lee stuck together a bit Mm. Um, and then there were a few people behind us we always had a van right at the back like um, a sweeper van and we had vans in the front and so the vans had water in them that wasn't frozen and um, so were were the vans heated constantly then? no they weren't they're like old Russian vans like they're they're pieces of shit in the morning when they start the vans they turn them on at three o'clock in the morning and then get a blowtorch and lay underneath them. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like a video on my Facebook of them blowtorching the bottom of the van. And like, the, I assume they're blowtorching gas as well to try yeah. and. <laughs> and they also put like carpets all around the bottom of the van to stop the heat getting out. It's like, okay, that's like a death chamber that you've created in there. So, how do but, they um, keep the water wet? Well, um, liquid? They put it like by the. Um, by the engines of the van so mm. it's in the van so it won't freeze in the van the vans aren't heated so it's just the heat of the engine keeping them warm mm. but if you wanted water you had to go and knock on the window of a van which was kind of would be next to you or but sometimes you wouldn't see a van for two or three hours because it's just the way it is it's just the way that people are kind of spaced out across the lake if you wanted to keep water on you because i was running with my um ultimate direction pack mm. you had to stick it down your front or you had to stick it on your body to keep it from freezing because it would just freeze if you put it anywhere outside um i think one morning i went out to brush my teeth and i had some liquid water and i opened the lid and i was brushing my teeth and i went to put the lid back on after about 90 seconds it was frozen to the point where i couldn't put the lid back on oh, nuts. God, I think bands, yeah just nuts um 
so yeah, the aid stations were kind of on the on the hoof. We had hot meals every lunchtime, which was amazing. Um, they would have hot water and they would make us a stew or something. Um, and then did you just get you going. Know what tent. was in the stew? Uh, sometimes, yeah, but you know, it's like really, is it goat or is it what is it? Is it goat or is it wolf? Is it elk? What is it? But, and did, um, did G Law continue to be a, a vegan throughout? G Law's not a vegan. Is he not? Vegan. No. I just assumed okay. he would be. No. If you're a vegan, don't go to Mongolia. You'll die. It's simple as that. Like, <laughs> you've got to wear fox fur hats. You've got to wear, like, um, yak, like, deals, which are, like, their great big um, outfits they wear. You've got to – fur is, like, a necessity, not a vanity there. Like, it's just ridiculous. And also, what you're eating, everything has meat in it because that's what there is to eat. There's no vegetables. There's nothing like that. It's just meat and rice, basically. So wait, you were wearing fox fur hats? I had a fox fur hat, yeah. I've got, I've got it here. It's glorious. Where does one I get just, a fox fur hat? From one of the locals, I got a fox fur hat, an Arctic fox fur hat, and I got some yak socks. And oh the yak my. socks are the warmest thing on earth. Oh, wow. I'm quite jealous. I'd love a fox fur hat. That'd be amazing. I can't wear it in London, though, because people are going to throw paint at me and call me a murderer. They, well, I mean, you are a murderer, murderer in some ways, but... Um, I guess as well in London, you'd you probably sweat your balls off. Something mm-hmm. that lovely. But wait until you get out into the countryside. They'll love it. Go, go fox hunting. Just You could be the fox. No. It has got a tail on it, though. So maybe I could be the fox. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're going to be a vegan, or ve- I'm vegetarian because of the whole environmental thing, but they were going out and killing this stuff for us to eat. So I'm like, mm. that's absolutely fine. That's responsibly sourced. It's not a problem. It was wild. Um, so the, stuff, the sort of thing we ate, we ate um, lots of goat lots of beefy stew they like a stew or they love a stew mm. um and reindeer burns night we had haggis and reindeer reindeer liver and reindeer leg reindeer's delicious um, <laughs> are you used to having meat there because i've got friends who are vegetarians where if they were to eat meat could potentially be ill because their stomach's just not used to it do you know what i'm just like i don't care if my stomach's not gonna be used to it i'm starving like you have to just eat it and and you get on with it. Like I've only been vegetarian for a year, so I know what meat is like. Um, and it was all fine. We had one night. I think we had wild boar. Like it was just, it was. There was not loads and loads of food, but the food there was was really, really nice. And you don't have a choice. Eat it, or it's going to freeze. So basically, so basically, you're going to go back next year, and we know it's just going to be because you don't want to admit that you love meat. <laughs> you're going out there as your excuse. To... If, I can, if I can kill it, I will eat it. But. That doesn't happen when you go to Tesco's, does it? You don't know where it comes from. So, yeah, um, so yeah it's, it's um, you know, next year when they put it on sale, they're looking to take 100 people out there. And logistically, I think that is going to be very, very difficult because there wow. were seven, eight of us. And taking 100 people compared to seven is a very different thing. So someone's Especially, going to have to go around with a machine gun just mowing down whole yeah, mowing down walls. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, there's parts of it. It's, I mean, anyone that's thinking of doing it, I would definitely say d- do it. But remember, it's not a fun run. It's like, it's a survival thing. Like, the second night, we woke up, um, we were all in a sort of a girl that had been set up for us, almost just like a tent at Glastonbury, like a bell tent, mm. with a heater in the middle of it, mattresses on the floor. The floor had snow on it and wasn't covered. And I woke up in my sleeping bag and I was wearing all of my clothes, so four layers on my bottom half, including compression and outer layers, four layers on my top half, my Norwegian one piece zipped up to the top. My North Face jacket, my down jacket zipped up. I was in a Four Seasons military issue sleeping bag and I was fucking freezing, like shaking cold. Um, and that was the night it dropped to like minus 47, minus 50. And there's a hole in the top of the gur where the smoke goes out. 
And the boys were waking up with ice on their beards, like any bit of their face that was out had ice <laughs> on. And that was the point where I was like, this isn't funny. Like, I'm a bit scared. And um, the next morning we were all like, how cold was it last night? Like, we all thought that was the end of it. But so we agreed basically that the next night we were all going to sleep in the same girl and we just bundled in together. And we were just like a little nest of people because that's the only way to survive. And I'm like, people have to understand that it's hard. It's not easy. It's not funny. It's like serious. And there are parts of it which are terrifying. And I will never forget that being that cold with all those clothes on. How could I be that cold? How? The, uh, this it reminds me a little bit of an episode of Neighbours when I was younger, where I, I think it was Terry and Jane were locked we got lost in the outback and they had to sleep together naked for body warmth and that was the big oh my god they 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 hooked up is is that your way of saying no it wasn't that sort of party (laughs) try and make it that sort of party many times but at no point was i so cold that i had to get in lee's sleeping bag (laughs) because i would rather have frozen to death so to be honest they were so sweet. The boys were like, Lee was so sweet. He like covered me up with all of his furs and his um, North Face and they were all really lovely. And get, but guess the point, like you're peeing in front of each other, you're taking all your clothes off in front of each other, not in a sexy way. You're whinging about the fact that your ass is cold or this is chafing or your penis has gone up inside you. And so like all, there's no holds barred. Like everybody is just like, whatever, like don't matter. We've got to survive. So we'll do whatever. But there was no sexy times. And so... Um, when you, you're, you're on your run then, you've, how do you know where you're going? You follow, so the, the vans go out in front of you, they leave slight tyre tracks on the ice. Yeah. So you basically follow the vans, you follow the tyre tracks. Um, you've got the ponies and you've got the Mongolians with the ponies who are running alongside you. You can always hear them, they've got little bells on. Um, oh, cute. They're so cute. Even if you can't um, see them you can usually hear them and also because we have people running in front of us you can see their tracks i can see their spike tracks so you always knew you were going the right direction so there was no point at which this kind of storms came in or, or thick snow no they don't they had a storm the day before we started running but we didn't see it um and to be honest with you it's blue clear blue skies it's not snowing it the weather was amazing and i think that's kind of standard for how it is mm. um it doesn't tend to, to snow a lot or rain a lot the snow you see is basically condensation that's just fallen out the sky um so yeah it was fine and there's no there's no way you can get lost and especially if you can have 100 people running there's no way you'll get lost okay and so you then come into camp and are these their usual tents that they'd use for themselves then um yeah they're a bit i think they're probably a bit more deluxe than that but they're basically wood frames they look like the kind of the posh tents you get at glastonbury like the bell tents but there's no luxury in there. There's got a fire in the middle. They've got mattresses on the floor um, and a door and a hole in the roof where the, the flue for the, the fire goes up. And then at night time, they will come in and keep the fire going for us. Mm. So we had we called them the fire fairies because they would come in every two hours and put more wood on, on the fire to stop it going out. That didn't mean it didn't go out. And a couple of nights it did go out. In fact, one night, the boys decided, in fact, it was the first night, so they didn't know the fire fairy existed. So they were all in a girl together, and they decided that it was their job to put the logs on the fire. And it got so hot in there, that they had to open the door and sit in their pants. <laughs> outside in their pants, because they made it so hot. And the fire fairy kept coming in, and they were like, no! um they learn don't touch fire but it's really basic like mega mega basic you've got to be willing to get down and dirty and and 
be sensible basically because um it's not a holiday it's yeah. not yeah it's 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 serious stuff and and did that mean with um with them cooking food and things that you'd then have to they determined when you ate pretty much yeah so they we ate in the morning we ate at lunchtime we ate at dinner time but we ate really early because you go to bed really early because there's nothing to do so mm. and you're knackered so we went to bed at like nine o'clock doesn't necessarily mean you get a lot of sleep because it's still freezing cold but you're knackered being cold makes you tired um so yeah the food was really great but there wasn't loads of it yeah but then you didn't really want to eat and fueling was really difficult so i think I don't really know what I'd do next time because even the um, dehydrated meals, the minute you put the water in them, you've got eight minutes to wait for it to make itself into food and then it's cold. Yeah. So it's just really difficult. I think the best strategy we had was to get anything you wanted to eat gel-wise or shop, shop block-wise. Shop blocks are like ice cubes and stick it down your front yeah. and keep it warm and then eat it um, because that was literally the only way. There's so no other way. Do you think if you went back, you'd take – I mean, maybe just taking pure sugar – Exactly. That's why I had gels because I was like, "This will do. This, this is at least some sugar." Um, yeah, we'll take just sherbet where it's not yeah. going to freeze. It, it'll be cold, sure. but that's a good idea. Damn it! I should have taken sherbet. Yeah, um, and those the, tubes, the really long, um, colourful ones, they could fit down your arms, down your legs. See, you would think that they wouldn't freeze, but they probably would freeze. Like my my headphones froze. They completely <laughs> froze. It's like a mangled mess, and I couldn't use them. Um, everything freezes. Contact lens fluid, um, toothpaste, uh, moisturiser, wet wipes. I oh, see. So couldn't use toothpaste for a whole. You have to like twist it, and then wet wipes. When you want to have your, your Portsmouth shower with your wet wipes, they're solid like a block of ice. <laughs> it's just like, oh god, everything's frozen. The only thing that doesn't freeze is vodka. Really? <laughs> doesn't freeze yeah. at minus fifty? No, the vodka. One night the vodka froze, and that was terrible. But we warmed it up. Yeah. Um, we had a guy with bagpipes for our burn site dinner. His bagpipes froze. He couldn't play them. <laughs> like, it was everything is just freezing all the time. And so when you um, when you come in, then is I mean, how long was it taking you firstly to do what's thirty miles a day? Yeah, it was about. So we ended up covering about ninety miles because when they when they go to do the actual event, I think they're going to do it over four days because mm. sun comes up about half eight and it goes down at five. It's really hard to get across that lake. So day one was what they were calling the Genghis Khan Marathon. So it was about 25, 26 miles. Yeah. Um, that took me about six and a half, seven hours. So pretty much walking pace. Well, on, yeah, on you're running, yeah. you're walking. I mean, yeah, I've done, yeah, you're running, you're walking. And that was the first day, so we didn't really know what we were doing. Mm. Um, I think Darren did it in about five hours, but... Um, you can't run as fast as you usually do because of your lung capacity and the altitude and the coldness. You're constantly like wor- not worrying about your kit, but you're changing bits of your kit. You know, mm. your buffs are freezing. You have to take them off. You're too hot. You take your jacket off and you have to put it on again. You get a really you get gold now between two and four where you can actually take your buff off your face. You don't have to put anything on it because that's when it warms up a little bit. Um, so I think the first day it took me about six or seven hours. The second day, we were doing a lot more messing about because mm. we were having a nice time. So there was a lot of us playing football on the ice with pieces of ice and um, testing out other bits of kit. Some people tested out the skates. Some people tested out the bikes. I just got on with it and ran. I think that took us about seven or eight hours. And then the last day, oh, my God, the last day was 36 miles, except they're not so great at measuring distance. So they were like, <laughs> yeah, it's about 50K, about 50. And I'm like, fine, that's fine. 
Um, and I was determined to like finish it on foot without being pulled off the ice because they're like, if it gets dark, you're going to be pulled off. And I was like, I don't want to. Like, I've never DNF'd. I don't want to be pulled out. Um, so everyone else was kind of getting on the bikes or the skates, but me and G-Law were running. And bless him, I ran for a long time by myself on that day. And I started to fall into the demon hole of, I can't do this. What am I doing? I'm really cold. I'm on my own. Oh. Can't ru- I can't run anymore. I'm rubbish at this. Like all of that stuff. Yeah. And I was like, go away. It will go away. It always goes away. But it didn't go away because there was no one to talk to. Um, and I caught up with G-Law about what we thought was 10K before the end. And he was like, I'm going to run you in. And I was like, great, because I've got someone to talk to. But it wasn't 10K, was it? Because we ran about 5K. And then one of the uh, guides came past. And we were like, how far is it? And he was like, about 10k and we're like what we've just done 5k he's like yeah it's about i was about seven then 2k later someone else comes past and says it's 10 from here and we're like how far is it like <laughs> to visualize how far it is and the sun was going down and me and gino were the last people on the ice and we had the vans behind us like going really slowly and um it was horrible but he was an absolute legend and he just kept talking to me and kept my spirits up and it was brilliant and we had a really nice time and then we could see, when we could see the end because it's funny on the ice perspective goes like yeah. you can see something and you think that's not very far away but it's actually 40 miles away like we could see this island we had to run to and it was 30 miles away but it looked like you could do it in 10 minutes um so when we got to the end the end of these two of these two big boats that were frozen into the lake and we could see them and i was like once i can see the boats i can run to the boats um and so we both he, he basically helped me to run in that last bit, um, but that was hard, and that, that was a nine-hour day, I think. Um, oh. But we did it. And if I didn't have him with me, I don't know if I would have finished because it was just so difficult, so bleak out there. And is it just the, the, the lack of scenery change? Does that have a big impact on it? Or? It's very beautiful, but you're hungry, you're tired, you're cold. You can't have the things that you want to have. Like All I could think about was LucasAid. I was like, I really would love some LucasAid. And I can't have LucasAid because there's no shop and they don't know what LucasAid is. And if I bought LucasAid, it would be frozen anyway. Like, um, and you think, like, all the things that I do when I run ultras in the UK, like my cheese sandwiches and my peanut butter sandwiches and my this and my that and my hydration, and I can just pick up water wherever I want and I drink a lot of water. You can't do that. It's completely different. Yeah. So I think the test is going to be, like, I've got a lot of races this year, and I think the test is going to be when I go back to, I've got a marathon in a couple of weeks and then an ultra the week after. I reckon I'm going to do pretty well in those because I'm fit from this. Yeah. I think that's a massive difference in how I behave in UK ultras because of what happened in Mongolia. Um, but, you know, having said that, it was just the best, most amazing experience. And we saw things, you know, one night we had a shaman come visit us. And she did this, like... <laughs> shaman thing where she's sniffing this bag of weird stuff and then like she was a shaman and not just a weird local look on my blog at the pictures she was a shaman (laughs) she was nuts she she like threw herself into the fire was like speaking in tongues and we were all petrified and i was like who else would ever see this it's incredible and you know so what did you discover from the shaman how did she give anyone a particular blessing or we didn't want to ask her to bless us because we were scared she might curse us. So we didn't ask her. But um, she, it was just it's just watching the way that the Mongolians live is so amazing. It's so basic. They all get on with each other. They are absolute bad men. Like they are 
they do this thing after dinner where they boil up cow bones and then they pull out a bone and all the blokes have to punch the bone until it breaks with their bare hands. <laughs> the one that breaks it is the winner or is like the strongest or whatever. Like a couple of Darren had a go. No, no way is going to break that. And it took them half an hour of punching this bone to break it. Whoa. Like, and that's how they deal with stuff. They're like, let's punch the bone and see who's the best. And, you know, they go out and they hunt for their food with guns and then they skin it and then they wear it and they eat it. And it's they're so all very happy and they're all really friendly and they love a vodka. And I just was like, this, you know, when you come from somewhere like London or you come from somewhere that's really developed and full of absolute assholes who don't give a shit about anything to go somewhere like that. You do think, do you know what? Maybe we've got it wrong. Maybe this is the way we should be living because it was amazing. It was so easy. And also another good thing is there's no Internet, no signal out there. So yeah. your stress goes away. It's amazing. And so, I mean, it just just going back to the actual when you when you're finishing each day, then what, could you stretch? Would you stretch? Would did you have a routine or? No. Yeah. Okay. So you could have, you could, but you couldn't because you couldn't take your stuff off. We would take our stuff that was wet off, but it was wet because we'd sweated on it or spilled stuff on it or whatever. Hang it up in the gur, and then we all did like an hour of admin. Like mm. admin, is the single most important thing. So get your bag get your stuff out that you want to wear the next day or put your stuff on that you're going to wear the next day or take stuff off that's a bit sweaty and change it. Um, make sure your spikes are ready for the next day. Get out your nutrition for the next day and put it by the fire so that it defrosts and you can like stick it on you. Um, I think every night we were spending an hour to an hour and a half, all of us, just with our stuff on our bed, doing admin, 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 admin. Um, if you're not a very organized person, hmm. you're going to fail this massively. Um, and we all helped each other out with things like spare socks or spare spikes or you know baby wipes or whatever it was um moisturizer all the boys loved a bit of my moisturizer um because <laughs> they did love it oh it smells like coconuts i'm like mm, it does doesn't it so um but the admin, moisturizer wasn't frozen no because i've heated it up i put it in the shoe by the <laughs> by the uh, fire um heat, heat up the moisturizer but if you don't have admin skills and if you haven't done ultras before, I would not suggest you do something like this. Like you have to be on the money when it comes to looking after your stuff. It's a, um, bit, a bit like MDS in some ways. I mean, it's obviously a lot easier because you, you don't have the worry of the cold, but you really yeah. have to be prepare, prepping each day. Well, um, what, there was everybody in that tent had done MDS except for me. Mm. So they were all MDS veterans. Each of them had a harder race than the one before, obviously, but that's what they were comparing it to. They were like, it's exactly like that because you're, putting all your stuff into little piles and making mm. sure you do everything. And the thing is, the cold makes you mental. It makes you forget stuff. Like, you think you've done something and you haven't. You, you're like, where's my glove? And you'll be wandering around looking for your glove, but you're holding it in the other hand. Like, it does mm. make you forget. It's almost like snow blindness. It's crazy. Um, but, but, yeah, they said that the boys in the tent were like, it is a lot like what happened at MDS, except it's pitch black and it's freezing cold. So organising your kit is a lot more difficult yeah. than if you're in the tent in the daylight. Um, but... Um, yeah, I think it's probably the coldest, snowiest, MDS, hardest MDS. And, and so what were Pete and, Pete and Jim be doing throughout this time? Were they just looking for good filming or were they were they out doing it themselves? Jim, so there was Jim and Rob from Rat Race and mm. then obviously Pete with his cameras. Um, the evening entertainment was always Pete Tetris, which was Pete getting out his, all of his camera stuff, piling it all up on top of each other and then taking it all down again and then piling it up somewhere else and then taking it all down again. Because um, obviously he had plugs and cameras and all sorts of shit that he needed to look after. Yeah. Uh, batteries, like him charging his batteries. Um, so Jim and Rob were basically skating, skiing, and using the bike for the whole thing because they're yeah. not runners. 
but they wanted to be out there to experience it. Um, and then Pete was filming it. So there's going to be a glorious, a glorious film. Um, but I think Pete ran the last day with uh, Darren and Gidor for a bit because he's a brilliant runner um, and had a nice time. But um, yeah, he was just filming, um, documenting everything, getting cold, getting annoyed, having to hang around waiting for us all the time. <laughs> it's probably worse. Yeah, he, has, he had his drone, which decided it didn't want to play anymore um, and got stuck in the air. Um, stuck in the air? Yeah, it got it got basically got stuck in the air. As in it just, it it just died and fell? Oh, really? It wouldn't come back? It wouldn't come back. And he's just like standing there, like sort of staring at it. And it's just being really badly behaved. We call it Little Pete. We're like, oh, Little Pete's not listening to Daddy, is he? So is he, he out is, there? Is he, flo- is he broken free? Yeah, no, he came back in the end, but then the next day we decided he wasn't going out because we couldn't we couldn't trust little Pete anymore, so uh, we didn't we didn't take him out again. But um, yeah, there's going to be loads of really great footage um, yeah. and uh, loads of really great pictures. Um, but I did feel sorry for Pete because he kept having to stand around in the freezing cold, waiting for us to like come past or like whipping us to make us run so that he could get his shots, and, um, <laughs> and it was quite funny. <laughs> I think he had a nice time though. Yeah, well, I mean, Pete's someone who enjoys it at the moment, but worries in advance about things. So oh my I... god, he's so worrying. One is. morning I was, has anyone got any ibuprofen? He was like, "You can't take that," and I'm like, "Why not?" He's like, "Because you haven't had your breakfast, and it'll burn a hole in your stomach." I'm like, <laughs> oh, "You're so health and safety." <laughs> he, he is married to a doctor. That's what she's done for him. So, um, dare I ask, toilets then? How how does that work? Given that things freeze instantly. So toilets were basically long drops. Which they actually you, had long drops. You know the ones you get at Glastonbury? Yeah. They're really horrible ones. They're like that. Um, but when you go in the toilet, it, there's no electricity. So everything's pitch black. You have to have a head torch on. You don't want to go in one of those toilets and look down it with a head torch on. <laughs> because where people have done their poos, they pile up on top of each other. Um, I think they're affectionately known as stalag shites. Yeah, um, that makes sense. They, they pile up on top of each other and they freeze. Um so don't look down the toilet. Uh, and when you sit on the toilet, you get stuck to it because it's so cold. <laughs> uh, Who found that uh, out first? Me. And then they put a furry seat on there for us. A lovely little furry seat so we didn't get stuck to it. Uh, and when you sit down on the toilet and have a wee, it steams up around you. So you're covered in your own wee steam. <laughs> Same if you do anything else. So at night, um, we uh, we... I had to go outside to go to the toilet, but we basically started using flasks and these little pee bag things that we had um, to pee in in the tent because it was just like we can't do this anymore. I've it's horrible. That. I do that in Glastonbury, to be fair. I've got a pee yeah. bottle, but yeah. yeah. But it was just like keeping the pee bottles separate from the drink bottles, right? Because nobody yeah. wants to get involved with that. So they actually um, moved a, a portaloo around. They moved it around um, and set it up. There's a couple of funny pictures of it on my um, on my blog where they just set it up on the ice for like a big it looked like a soup bowl underneath it um and uh yeah and then they would just empty it because you're not allowed to go to the toilet on the ice it's sacred so you're not allowed to have a poo or a wee on the ice oh okay Gilo was running around with like a fucking flask in the front of his pack full of his own pee for the whole day pee <laughs> slushy so if um so, so at, at points in the day they'd set up a a toilet stop and you'd then come in and go yeah. out or you just you have to sort your, you have to sort yourself out so you're not going to the toilet while you're on the ice you have to say to your brain you're not going for a wee while you're out here and if you are going for a wee you're doing it in a flask okay okay and carrying around with you 
Okay, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm kind of glad we discussed that. I'm glad we can move on now. I'm glad we can move yeah, on. Yeah, we can move on. We can move on. <laughs> so, at the end of, um, at the end of, at the end of three days then, um, the talk of going to the embassy sounded pretty amazing. Uh, tell us, tell us what happened on your return to, I don't even know where you get back to. Where's the capital of Mongolia? Ulaanbaatar. Ulaanbaatar. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's very, very Russian. It feels very Russian. So we got yeah. back, we were all knackered. We got to this hotel and it was a five star hotel. It was really, really nice. And it's run by a Scottish bloke. So uh, the minute we get there, it's like beer, whiskey, vodka. And I'm like, oh God, we need to like not, not do this because we got there, like, <laughs> got there at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Pete and G-Law went out to buy themselves an outfit for this dinner. Among- <laughs> Which looked amazing. Yeah, so Pete ends up looking like a Jedi, and Gino ends up looking like Lord of the Rings. If you if um, you um if you're not in the Facebook group, go in the Facebook group, people, and um, I think you probably have to Google Lee Stewart Evans, um, his his contributions to the group, which will be millions. But there's a, an amazing photo of Gino looking like a yeah a Jedi fox, should we say? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. But um, I was really jealous when they got back. I was like, damn it, man! Like you look amazing. Um, <laughs> So basically, we went to this uh, dinner, this Mongolian dinner. Mongolian dinner, it's like Mongolian Scottish. They have really big ties, so it's a Burnside dinner. They were pouring out whiskey like it was cheap white wine. Is the tie just because of this guy? Um, I'm not sure. What the tie, I need to look into the ties, but the tie's been there for a long time. It's the seventh annual Burnside dinner, so it's been seven years. But I think it is mainly because of this David Scott guy. <laughs> like They loved him out there. Um, and uh, yeah, all the Mongolians were there. All the British people, us, were there. Things got pretty messy pretty quickly, um, but we haven't been banned from Mongolia. In fact, they said we were very well behaved, but, yeah, we had to get up at 5 o'clock the next morning to go to the airport, and it was not pretty for anybody. Because in my head, I thought this was at the embassy, but this was... It it was at this hotel, but it had all of the people from the embassy came to the hotel, so it was loads of, like, very, very important Mongolians, and the British ambassador from Mongolia was there as well. And And what was the... What did the British ambassador make of everyone? Um, well, to be honest with you, I can't remember what she made of everyone. You probably have to ask Darren that. But um, but I think she was I think she was very proud of us. I think everybody was very proud of us. It wasn't like they presented us as like these weirdos that crossed the lake. We just sat there on a table and had a really nice time with everybody um, and uh, danced to the ridiculous music and listened to the bagpipes. It was great. It was really good fun. But it was a really nice end to it because when you haven't had a shower for six or seven days, you've been wearing the same clothes. Mm. And when you haven't had a pint that's not frozen and when you haven't sat down on an actual chair for like that long it's just really nice it was it was great and um and and, and so g law and pete they weren't their clothing wasn't deeply offensive to the locals then no of course it wasn't everybody loved it it looked amazing <laughs> okay that's good and you, you weren't tempted to try and snag yourself a a, a rich warlord or similar they're too short they're all too short but i did think about it but they're all too short. <laughs> so then if, if you were to go back then, what do you think you'd change? How would you do it differently? Okay, if I was to go back, my gloves would be on string around my neck. Yeah. You know, like school, that's yeah. my number tip because you can come <laughs> and I lost a really expensive pair of gloves and everyone was losing gloves. So string up your gloves, take spare gloves, take spare uh, silk liners. Lee, one night, Lee lent on the flu of the of the fire in the gut with his proper proper gloves on with silk liners underneath and it burnt through the glove to the silk liner and if he hadn't had that liner on he would have burnt the whole bottom of his hand it was nuts um so be really careful of 
the heat in the girls because that's honestly like the burn on my arm is ridiculous. Um, streaming and, glass. And that's just from rolling over in the night, is it? No, that's just from going in and like grabbing hold of poles, but it's it's hard to distinguish between this pole and the and the chimney. Um, okay. Yeah. Black. Um, I would say expect expect to be really really cold. Make sure that you try out all of your outfits before you go out there. I'd say four layers. I'd go if you're going to be that cold. I'd go compression base layer fleecy layer and then a windproof layer on top um and be prepared to be hungry okay hungry and you've got to be good at your admin like it's really really important and do you think there are any foods you know jerkies where they're dried of water or just taking vegetable or coconut oil or things like that that might be better than others or darren had jerky and i don't think that froze um but you can warm stuff up you just chuck it down your front like um you know just put if you put it next to your body it would take, take me about six minutes to get a gel to defrost by just sticking it down my front basically mm. um the other thing that's that happens is your phone will die it's your phone switches off like iphones are awful lee had um an android that he was going on about how brilliant it was until it stopped working completely because it was so cold um so you've got to keep all anything electronic you have to keep really close to your body anything you want to eat you have to keep close to your body um and yeah and that's kind of that's kind of it but it's um it's not for the faint-hearted it's like Mm. if we weren't the people that we were because we're all a bit like whatever like i'm, I'm not princess and nobody there was kind of a princess so well, it was okay you, you've all done um impressive ultras but if there was someone if there was someone there who was there on a jolly they would not have enjoyed it you had mm. it's very like stiff upper lip british gung-ho you know we got this guys we got it like and you have to have a sense of humor because <laughs> it is funny so do you think if, if, so the plan is next year at the same time next year i assume or march next year so it, i don't think it'll be as cold but they've got um they're going to end at the either big ice festival on the lake a big mongolian ice festival oh, so i think cool. they're going to at the ice festival and have a nice time it's a kind of a bit like dirty weekend i guess like yeah. at the end of it they'll be <laughs> um because obviously they can't take them all to the hotel so I'm I'm very tempted to go back next year just because I had such a nice time and now I know what it's like. Yeah. I'm fully prepared to actually smash through it. And do you um, think they'll be able to get? Because you you mentioned the, the the style of person that you feel is should should go on these ships. I think my in my head the type of people they're trying to go for is partly the MDS crew, partly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. It's not going to be cheap. These bucket mm. list events are not cheap. And I did actually talk to Jim and Rob about this because I was like, if you get a bunch of city boys who have done, you know, the Royal Parks half and like, let's go to Mongolia, you're going to be fucked because they're not going to like it. You've got to be, you've got to have experience. I almost think it's a bit like you should have points. You've got to have experience of running ultras. You've got to have experience, you know, triumphing in the face of adversity or pushing yourself to a, a limit. Um, and so I think that when it comes down to them selecting people who, you know who wants to come i think they're not gonna have a problem selling it out no way mm. but type of people you have there because you're all in these little girls as well it's not at mds i guess you can get out of your tents and go for a walk if someone's pissing you off mm. because you know, it's not minus 47 and dark um but if you get a dickhead in your tent it's going to be really awful <laughs> if you get someone that hasn't bought the right kit and is like taking everybody's kit off them it's going to be awful so i think it's probably a case of explaining to people that this is a challenge more than a race. It's not yeah. like a race or anything like that. It's an actual challenge to, like, you know, um, basically survive. <laughs> it's a survival challenge. And I think I think my, my my worry would be that p- 
people who've spent quite a lot of money to go to an event like this already, even in something like the MDS, when you're looking at kit and you're thinking, oh, I really should buy this, but it's going to be another 200 quid. Mm-hmm. At the MDS, you're really making a choice between performance and, yeah. you know, is this going to make me faster or will I get by? Whereas something like this, my worry would be potentially that you'll have some people that either can't afford or just get to their financial limit and just think, yeah. I'm not going to bother with this extra layer. I'm not. And I, so I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how they police to ensure that people are properly equipped. Yeah, because they can't, I don't think it's, it's a case where you can, you know how you get kit checks at um, Centurion races or whatever? Mm. You can't do that on the ice. You can't, you, it's impossible. It's pitch black, you're yeah. in girds, where to like check kit. And if you don't have the right stuff, it's going to be miserable for you. But I think that that's the sort of thing that needs to be made very, very clear. Because, you know, if you, like you say, if you go to MDS, you're paying to do MDS, but then you've got to pay for all the kit. Mm. And, and I'm one of those people that will, basically get everything before I go and spend a whole day going through it to make sure that it's all in the right place and I'm very organized like that um but I think some people just try and wing it and this is one thing you absolutely cannot wing you can't there's nothing there to buy there's no rat race shop there's no uh Cotswolds outdoor center there's none of that shit so if you don't have the stuff you're gonna you're gonna make it very uncomfortable for yourself and how do you think they're gonna will they be able to effectively um not police it but just if people are breaking down mid-race, is, is that going to be incredibly hard with 100 people out there? Um, well, yeah, I guess that they'll, they'll also have a huge team out there. They're going to have medics out there and all that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know. Like, I can't imagine that – I know that they will get some people that have got no, very little experience who will not be able to do it. Mm. Um, but, you know, every, every race director has to allow for a handful of people to do that, right? Um, mm. But I sort of people that will say, okay, I'm going to go and do this thing in Mongolia – will be sort of made of sterner stuff and maybe will be a bit more grown up when it comes to their prep than, than they would with MDS. I don't know, like, from well, my experience. Yeah, but I, th- I think what's what's quite interesting about the way Rat Race are, are changing is Rat Race, the, one of their biggest, um, for, for them as a business, one of the, 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 the best things on their side is they've got this database of thousands and thousands of, of people. Um, but a lot of those people will be people who've just done a 10k obstacle race yeah um or who've they, their biggest challenge may have been to do manby mountain which isn't quite a marathon and so I, I think they've got a lot of people who i mean people like richard palmer who i don't even know who, who've done incredibly yeah. hard events or even alex who was who, who was rat race until this year um who has gone out and done these horrifically hard races and so they've they've certainly got a a huge crossover of people that will have experience and will want to do this but i think their their challenge will be how do we market this correctly so that we don't screw ourselves but also that we that because it's it's you want to sell obviously how amazing an experience is because that's just good marketing but at the same point how do you position it correctly so that um, you're not asked, you're not creating trouble for yourself, essentially. And, you know, I think, I think one, of the, one of the things they could do is maybe arrange like a day where we go and talk to people who are interested in doing it. We can go and sit mm. there and literally explain it to them face to face. Oh no, just, know, just get to know Lee Stewart Evans Day. Okay, no, Lee's not coming. <laughs> let's um, make it a weekend just for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's, just, let's make it the middle of the night just so that. <laughs> um, but, you know, 
I was talking to because I'm I'm quite interested. In, I've, ne- I've never done a rat race event. Ha ha. This is my first one. Yeah. Um, I'm more like I, ca- I quite want to do man versus lakes. I quite want to do man versus mountain. But then I'm like, it feels to me so male and so dominated by like bros who are like gonna run out the front and then I'll be the last person there on my own at the back and I'll be having a horrible time. That's kind of how it feels. And I think with something like this, they need to make it so people know that they can do it, but they've got to have the right attitude to do it. Oh, really? I'm, I'm surprised. Why, why is that your view of those races? It's not my view. Like I, was, and I've been talk, I was talking to the guys when I was out there. It, it, well, it is my view, but because I just feel like it's very, all the marketing for it is very like, this is the hardest thing you'll ever do. And I'm like, do you know what? It's not the hardest thing you'll ever do. It, it sh- I just feel like it should be made to feel a little bit more enjoyable because I feel like those events are very but they feel very competitive when you watch this marketing for them when you watch how they're presented on facebook and stuff they feel very competitive and i don't I'm, think they do i think they i, I mean i i'm going to completely disagree with you i think they if anything they're one of the least competitive races you've done them i haven't done them yeah. i'm just taking it from what i see but also the um i because i think i mean my my opinion in how I think they try and market or even how I think they do market is is more epic and not epic in a a tough matter this is crazy tough but epic in a look how incredible this view is look how ridiculous this hill is yeah but when I've but with the views and the hills there's people running really fast loads of them and I'm like <laughs> I can't keep up with them oh that's my God, true actually like yeah. they're all guys I can't I can't do that. I'm going to be left at the back. They're going to pull me out. Like, I can't, you know, I can't see how there's no element of fun. There's elements of epic and competitive. There isn't fun there. That's interesting. I mean, you should feed that back to Jim because it's, I mean, then the good thing about their races is that I'd say it's it's not races, it's adventurers. And also the type of people that go are quite, quite, quite crossover the musical crowd where people are, are really enthusiastic and fun and you you're there the night before camping out and you're having a laugh and then there's often like a massive massive piss up afterwards huge party um so it's interesting that actually everything they're completely reverse of of your of what's been projected to you yeah well that's it i've never done an event this is all i'm taking all of this from what i've seen on the internet my first rat race event was this this mongolia thing which was brilliant and i loved it but and I will do one. I'm looking at doing one this year. In fact, I'm doing the Ultra Tour of Aaron this year. So, oh, see. You know, yeah, yeah. I think it's different, though, because it's going to be like, I don't know. But we'll, we'll see. I'll report back on it and, and tell you what I think of it. Um, but but you know. I'd say sign up for Man V Lakes because that is, it's an amazing trail. And yeah. It's got, some hills, isn't it? it's got some hills in it though hasn't it some it's hills. Got, yeah it's got some hills in it but just to start being able to run across a bay which you just will not be able to do ever in your life like it's yeah. it's not possible um yeah. unless you risk your life doing it by yourself and just small things like that is so amazing um and i think we're going up as well for uh briggs has got a season pass so we're doing quite we're trying to take a few of them off so um yeah, that that's the one I'd say. If you're going to do one rat race, well, unless you want to do Dirty Weekend Obstacles. If you like obstacles, Dirty Weekend is the biggest party around. Um, yeah, and see, rate, I've rate. never done obstacles. I've got no upper body strength, and I think I'll be rubbish. But I'm, I can run between them. <laughs> but you don't need to have upper body strength, because I could do them. So, and and even even some of them where you might do monkey bars, if you can't do it, it doesn't matter. You just run around it. It's, it's such a fun weekend. But if you're going to choose one... 
if you want a yeah. party and you want something that is obstacles dirty weekend if you're going to do the a running one i'd say mammy lakes is just just so beautiful such varied terrain um yeah it's and for uh it's a marathon and which which to me is nice because it means you tick the box of a marathon but yeah. it's not so hard as some of the ultra ones Okay, all right then. I'll go, well, I'll go for it. <laughs> <laughs> speak to Jim, see if we'll do you a deal or something. Speak to Pete. <laughs> I mean, he's going to kill you when he hears that. Like you said, he's like, the thing about ultra runners is they don't like paying to go ultra running, and I'm like, yeah. That's <laughs> true, actually. A, a Jim doesn't give a deal to anyone, sadly. Um, yeah, it, but, um, well, I mean, I'm, oh, damn it. I'm going to have to rethink my, my plans for next year, because in my head I was going to Japan to the Rugby World Cup and then to do the Japan Japan Arm, but I almost want to do the first the first Mongolia oh, one. Honestly, it is just it's just beyond anything. I can talk 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 to you about it all day, right? But as it, you've got to go and see it. Like yeah. it's beyond anything I've ever experienced. And I've been some freaking awesome places and seen some awesome things, but yeah. Mongolia is just next level ridiculous it's like being on the moon because it's so detached from the the world that we know and we live in it's just amazing the people are lovely food's brilliant as long as you like meat and it's just a massive experience and also when else when else are you going to get to run across a frozen lake in minus 47 and and as you say it's the moments that same with all the trips where we've done where we've got Sierra Leone or Afghanistan it's it's the moments you don't get as a typical tourist so when the shaman goes mental in your tent or um <laughs> seeing G Law dressed as a Star Wars um Star Wars fox at the embassy and having a Burns night dinner on an island in the middle of a lake with a Scottish guy playing bagpipes wearing a kilt <laughs> in minus 50 <laughs> What's going on? Like it's amazing. Yeah, and those are the things that I mean, you, you can never predict them, but when they happen, you just you're aware that it's a special moment. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, just just standing there on the ice, completely on your own, with nobody around you, and just being silent and listening to it creak and just being. You don't do that. You just people don't do it. It's amazing. Are you now going to uh, you going to release an album of uh, Ali Ali Bailey's Mongolian sounds? Do you know what? We had a guy that came and played this little instrument and it was amazing. It was like a little, almost like a little twangy guitar piano thing. So maybe I will. I was thinking about signing him. <laughs> you should do. It wouldn't cost you much. No, massive in Mongolia. They've only got three million people. But if they all bought an album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, um, well, thank you so much for telling us about that. As, as we've yeah. hopefully met. What is that, that noise, by the way, that goes up every now and then? Uh, it's really annoying. They keep coming in. They're very annoying. Ah, uh, okay. Sorry. So, oh no, sorry. So, um, yeah, have we, as we've probably mentioned at the intro to this little chat, Ali is going to be one of our, our roaming uh, interviewees as well on the podcast. Roaming interviewees or uh, roaming interviewer? Interviewer, interview. Uh, yeah, sorry, wrong one, wrong one. Interviewer, absolutely. Um, I mean, how are you feeling about it? Are you? Uh, should we do a get to know Ali Bailey section? Well, is there really anything else you need to know? I did do a podcast about me. <laughs> so, I've got a website. Go and have a look. Um, but I'm well excited because I'm actually genuinely interested in talking to people who are good at running or not good at running or just interesting. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and that's that, I think that's part of the joy of the podcast. Hopefully people enjoy listening to the interviews, but it's such a privilege to be able to chat to half the people we do. I mean, are there any people in mind that you've... Um, because the good thing is now it's an excuse to stalk. So yeah. if there's someone out there who've always thought, oh, 
I know we'd be the bestest friends. Just... You know what? Do you know who I'd really like to talk to? Exactly. Keith Flint from The Prodigy. Because Keith it. Flint has become a really good ultra runner. Has he's he? Gone from... Yeah, he's really good. He does like triathlons and he's amazing. And also um, Pritchard from uh, Dirty Sanchez. He's also a brilliant, brilliant runner, triathlete. And I'm interested in how they've gone from music and like that hedonistic lifestyle they led into being these amazing sports people. Because I think, you know, you go from the hedonism of like drugs and booze in the music industry and you replace that with the running and like the training and all this sort of stuff. And I'm just fascinated by how they do it. But I mean, I, I saw the prodigy. We did an all-night gig just for Christmas. Yeah, you're right. Sadly, I couldn't come. I couldn't come. It's true. So, um, I mean, if you see him on stage, yeah, you can understand he's going to be a good ultra runner. He's he's got energy, that boy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, what a guess that would be. I mean, let's make it happen. Yeah, I'll just call their management. No problem. Let's do it. Well, no, honestly, you could. No, I will. That's what I'll do. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll start stalking. Yeah, well, if you wanted to talk on that one, if if it if it goes cold, then let me know and I'll I'll start the stalking process as well. But probably you've got a better in than I do at this stage. Yeah, as in I've got Maxim from the Prodigy's phone number, so I just. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that'd be so good if we could clear for one episode to have the intro music of uh, the episode to be one of the best well just a, a prodigy song wow wow anyway anyway we're getting ahead of ourselves yes um, we are getting ahead of ourselves um but yeah there's loads i'm gonna make a massive list of people that i want to talk to because i'm genuinely interested in uh in people and talking to them and listening to them it's but, fun, isn't it? oh it's gonna be great and i think you know listeners um we're obviously called bad boy running although i'd say we're both very effeminate men but um, we've, we've always been aware that we we want to get uh, more females involved in the podcast, more females interviewed, but there might be some subjects that we would never be able to broach, or just not we wouldn't even think of to discuss because we're we're fairly um, fairly narrow-minded in some ways, males. So if if this does open up new avenues of discussions that you'd like us to talk about, um, let us know because um, you know Ali's here to to help us open the avenues as such to uh, to new new conversations so um get in the facebook group email us at letters at badboyrunning.com and any suggestions you have we'll uh, you know we'll, we'll take on board and get out there and, and get the people on the show for you we'll get on the stalk and uh, which one of us is going to get restraining or first do you reckon <laughs> <laughs> you see i've got years and years of practice of avoiding them so oh, um <laughs> okay I have, i've got a few <laughs> well I knew it was going to be great. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, we will be seeing you shortly. So thank you very much, Ali Bailey. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh, man, that sounded epic. I am I am so incredibly jealous. Um, oh, which is, I know. Which is mainly why, I, yeah, why, why I'm telling them to shut up about it because I don't want to. And as, as of today, they've, they've released all the video, haven't they? Um, Have they? Oh, my goodness. Have you not seen the trailer? No. It's no, no, amazing. No, no. It uses some incredible effects. I think I even saw Lee Stuart Evans running. <laughs> oh, actually, I've got, a, I've got a good story about this. Oh, right. So, I'm not sure how, how much we can say, but everyone had a kind of, I wouldn't say a nemesis, but a, a competitor, right. um, a rival. And so, what, I can't event? remember the name. Um, Singing? On the Mongo 100? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, um, I think... Um, the Ali Ali was uh, spending a time equally between a, a gentleman called Darren and a gentleman called Lee Lee Stewart um, chatting to them, and I think there was a bit of rivalry there. And then uh, Ali also, she uh, there was another female there who was a runner, and she has 
run a, a marathon or an ultra, I think it is, and every continent dressed as a root vegetable. <laughs> so throughout throughout the Mongol hundred, she was running as a chili pepper. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That's so, amazing. What I so, love um, what I love about that is that Ali would have taken that so seriously, and that would have pissed her off so much. Yeah. <laughs> and so Pete was trying to get these amazingly epic shots of runners of you know the backgrounds <laughs> suddenly this chili pepper running in the background just undermining everything which i which i absolutely love i think it was brilliant oh, that's amazing because you're trying to get you're trying to highlight how you know this is survival instinct this is dangerous <laughs> you've got to be careful and then someone goes by on a bike that's dressed as a chili <laughs> It's almost, you, you could almost leave one shot in because people would, they'd see it and then just be like, what? what? Did I? No, no, it couldn't have been. It couldn't have been. And just dismiss it as not being possible. No, it's that test, isn't it? You know, they do that test to see whether you're paying attention and they say, oh, you know, look at these basketball players and try and you know, <laughs> keep where the ball is. And then they walk a gorilla through the middle of it, don't they? And they go, did you notice the gorilla? It's the same thing. Look at these ultra runners. Did you notice the person dressed as a chili pepper cycling between them? <laughs> Yeah, but it, I mean, it's gonna be really, it's it's gonna be really interesting to see how they do it as a hundred people, two hundred people, whatever it may be, because the logistics of that compared to MDS just sound so much more complex. You you made a really really good point there um, about um, the money, because you're absolutely right. It's like when you do when you do the MDS um, and you're buying that kit, um, you're yeah. spending money for it to get lighter aren't you that's when you're and that's improving your performance the more money you spend the smaller your kit gets the lighter it gets the more the more it helps your performance and i think you're absolutely right when it comes to something like this you'll look at that and you'll go i'm going to have to spend another 400 pounds on a jacket or another 200 pounds on a base layer and you'll be so tempted to just go i'll just you know i'll just wing it and stuff um and there's no way of testing it either because you know you, you, when you go running in the desert, yeah. the least you can wear is nothing. Yeah. So you know what what's the next thing to nothing. Whereas, what is the minimum you need for minus fifty? Yeah. How can you ever test that? Yeah, that's it. You can't. What well, you can't take any more any more clothes off. Uh, you know, after you've got you stripped down naked, so your body can't lose any more anything else. But you can certainly get colder when you're in the middle of uh, in the middle of a lake yeah i mean that's the thing it's just it, it's it, this is the, the sort of one where you know the the people that that are winging it they're the one you know that that's that their fatalities almost that's that's the really dangerous part about it in the desert if something go, bad goes wrong you know they can quite easily just pack them into a tent um you know realize that there is an issue um yeah but there you know it sounds like you know that you've just got to be really really hard like yeah Ali was talking about a point system and stuff but it's it's difficult I think you know you have to have an understanding of that whole um operating in an environment that cold and what it does Mm. to your body because our bodies are you know evolutionary wise our bodies are more used to the warmth than they are to the cold the cold is a very unnatural environment for the human body to be in Um, and so you have to you have to give it more uh, much more attention in that respect so yeah i yeah. mean i just don't i you know i just I, it, to me it it sounds dreadful but i it almost makes me want to do the first one just because 
<laughs> if, if it goes all horribly wrong, it's your only chance. Because <laughs> I know it'll be fine. I'll just borrow stuff or you know get get some get enough kit from friends and things. Yeah, but the but, thing is, uh, this is the one. This is the one where you don't want your kit to get lost on the plane. Oh, this is. I yeah. mean, and the thing is, if you're gonna have to wear all your kit, it's gonna <laughs> be the worst. <laughs> You're literally going to die of dehydration and heat stroke on the plane because you want all your kits. <laughs> yeah, completely. Oh man. But um, and and the interesting thing is that the, I, I think, suddenly it changes also the runner who could do well because there is a real benefit in having a bit more weight to you. Whereas well, MDF lighter the better. I assume. Yeah, I mean, well, I, mean I think I think it, there's a lot of there's a lot to be said actually about these these ones being um, like multi day races are all mm. and they aren't just about speed and performance. They're all about how well you care for yourself. They're all about how mm. how experienced you are at you know reading what your body's like and being able to get up the next day and things like that. And and I think to some extent, like you say, MDS a lot of that's taking care of itself. You know, you've got to look after your, your stomach and your shoes, really, haven't you? And everything else, and, and make sure mm. that you eat right and everything like that. But with this, you have to you have to be so careful on a, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So what is it? Is it just three days? Three days o- over the lake, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But the, I, I'm guessing they can, they can change the mileage slightly or, um, because, you know, you can, you can go across a lake, but you can go on the side of a lake, and so they'll probably change it based on their logistics into whatever makes sense. Um, maybe it'll be longer, maybe it's shorter. Um, I, I, well, I don't know if it can be shorter really, because I don't think you go that long. You wouldn't go all the way there and spend that much money for less than a three-day race. No, no, you wouldn't. But the, but even the logistics of the dropouts are so much harder because oh, yeah. you've got. To, got to take care because when you drop out for heat um in the mds you know you can put some on the drip when if you drop out because people are too cold you've really got to look after you've got to warm them up that's yeah. it it's not you don't yeah. ever have to warm anyone up at at the mds um yeah that's that's the real difficulty as well um and i do think it's funny about how um g-law was carrying a bottle of piss around <laughs> <laughs> You do not want to get those mixed up, do you? Oh, oh which one? Yeah. Oh, which one was the electrolyte? <laughs> um, uh... it, it does look like Lucasade, doesn't it? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what 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 your what it would look like at that temperature or whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, well, I, I mean that sounds incredible. They've they've got one where they're going across Panama, and they're also planning one through the Namibian desert in the area where the whale bones you can see the skeletons where there used to be a sea saw the boats are there oh yeah yeah. Uh, oh i just i just want to know how much it'll be because that's that's going to be the clincher just where i can afford it essentially yeah yeah i like the idea yeah the thing is that um that i really got out of that was uh because ali the way that ali was talking um about you know the kit and um, having that routine and everything it reminded me of someone that had just done the mds for the first time because mm. um, i remember when i came back that was the, all the advice i gave to people who were doing the mds make sure that you have a kit you have a routine you do you know all this sort of thing which is why which is why the, you know, the, all the squaddies and everything love it don't they you know all the army people because it's all they they're the experts of that but um yeah so like you know make sure that you have a routine and stuff like that and you know and that's the thing it's interesting that you said all the mds 
uh, people um, know how to get in that routine. And it just shows you how how much how different it is on a on a multi day event than it is from say running a hundred miler. Because running a hundred miler, you know, as as hard as that can be, you know, on your body and thing, you are just doing it in a single single stage, over and done with. Um, you don't have to focus on you know sleeping or anything else. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, a multi a multi day event brings up just a whole new level of challenges. And the thing that I've really realised is that I've I've actually really missed doing that. I haven't done a multi stage event for such a long time. Um, and they're the ones that I I you know, most enjoy. Well, there aren't really that many. You, you can do the odd one, which is two days or three days. But I think if you, it's also the nature of the multi day event because what makes the MDS and, and sounds like this one so specific is that you, if if you do um, something like the Druid Challenge or the Pilgrims Challenge, um, you end up in a, in a church hall or a school hall, and you've got dinner that's being cooked for you, and you've got a you've got this kit that may have been shipped there potentially, um, and so it's a multi day, but you're not you're not having to rely purely on yourself for survival, yeah, and that changes the race completely, whereas these two things you you're having to look after your kit and how you prepare at night massively changes whether you're going to finish or not whereas something like the druids pilgrims you can come in have some beers have a lovely pasta um sleep in a, sleep on a bed and then in the morning essentially you're just doing a second race but a second day's running but you wouldn't do the druids or, or or pilgrims because they're in england and it'll be rain and it'll be shit so it's not worth doing Oh, they were great. Yeah, oh, no, no, they're, 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 they're all right. I mean, they're fine and everything. They're fine as races. But I mean, like, mm. I was thinking about like an enjoyable um, uh, multi-stage event where it, you know, where it didn't rain, for example. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I just don't know of many other than the spine. And... No, I mean, like, not in the UK. It would never have to be, never in the UK. But even outside of the UK, I don't really know of that many. You've got the jungle ultra. Yeah. Loads, yeah. Oh man, the jungle. See, the thing is, when I think about the hardest marathon I can think of, like hardest, like multi-day event, or saying the, the jungle yeah. ultra, not the um, no, no, the jungle marathons. The jungle marathon, and jungle ultra, two different things. The jungle ultra is the one in Peru. The jungle marathon is the one in Brazil. The original jungle yeah. ultra, um, and and that looks absolutely frightening. Like I know people have done that, and they were just like, that is the hardest thing because that is all about you know doing that wet kit, dry kit routine, yeah. the noise of the animals at night slipping over roots falling on the floor insects on you wading yeah. through water i mean this just sounds awful in every way and it's like <laughs> it frightens me and that's the sort of thing i'm like i don't know whether that sounds really good or really bad mm. well I, th- I think it's it's really good once you've done it <laughs> yeah, but... that's it i don't think it's very social media um social mediaable because there's probably you know in, a, in like in the jungle and stuff that you're just going to look sweaty and dark and you're never going to look great um, because your body's going to look like fat and flabby and you're, you're, like all the like joy is sucked out of your skin. You know, no one ever looks, no one ever looks good, like in a humid environment. Um, yeah. Well, you, yes. You can go tripping over a, like a, a dune or something and come flying down and you look amazing against this beautiful blue <laughs> backdrop. You know, nothing looks, nothing looks great. Uh, yeah. In the, in the jungle. So, but it's, it's really interesting, I thought, that Ali, kind of at the end of her first multi-day one, the third day, that she almost gave up 10 miles to go. If you think of some of the races she's done and how hard they are, 
for her to get to that final day and just be thinking. But that's what, nah. but, no, yeah, but, but that's that's what multi day does, doesn't it? Because you're not. It, it, it plays a different. What, what, what was the day that you had a trouble with? It was the third day, wasn't it? On the MDS. My second second day. The second yeah. day. Everyone has yeah. trouble like second or third day on the MDS. It's 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 really hard. It's like what's happened in multi. I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? It doesn't matter how long the race is that people just. Yeah, but I I think you you do have wobbles, but normally. I mean, when it's the the very end, you can see it's like five k to the end or ten k to the end. Yeah, but if you are if you're in that environment where you, it, you know distance doesn't look, because that was the thing, the distance kept moving, didn't it? Mm, I guess as well, it was ten k. There was an expectation in ten k, and imagine there might have been a bit of a strop, a bit of a strop <laughs> coming in that maybe wasn't mentioned. You know, we yeah, we had a bit of a strop at the race organizer not having the. Not having the uh, the exact uh, distance. I mean, like you know, the thing is, it depends. You know, like the um, Thames Path One Hundred. Yeah. The Thames Path One Hundred is not the Thames Path One Hundred. Thames Path One Hundred is like Thames Path One Hundred and Six or something, um, which set doesn't sound a lot, but you think that's an extra six miles on top of a hundred miles yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, and the thing, in fact, is you don't really notice it on that, but I imagine on the ice when you are just looking straight out and it feels like you've been running for ages and you're not doing anything that could you know that's not gonna be a physical thing that's that's got it to that point that that is yeah. that's completely mental and then and then you know that hero i can see him like jogging jogging through with his bottles of piss bouncing on his on his chest <laughs> old uh, g law comes to rescue and uh, paces her in i mean does she did she actually finish? If a cheat paces her in, that's the difficult thing. Is that a real? Is that a real finish, or has she yeah. forfeited it? Is that was that her EPO? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's um, I, I think as well probably the fact that it wasn't a race. Officially oh wait ends. a minute! What's a minute? Are we saying that this is like the biggest Mongolia this park race of all time? Yeah, well, I think knowing that when you you finish, there's not there's not a line you're not getting a medal you're, it's not going as the time's not being kept it it probably means that you 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 just lose the will to carry on running because normally you're like i get i've just got to get there and it's against the clock i've got and you can you can say right i need to get in and under 24 hours or i need to beat this person or i can't let this person overtake me when it's just once you're at the finish it's over and i still can't get to the finish i just want to finish and so, it, yeah, I can imagine that would be a lot harder mentally to just know there's no nothing to be gained from running these next five or ten k other than you finish. Oh, I think that's pretty good. The the worst thing is when you haven't you you know that you haven't got all that food at the end that you want. That's the worst. Oh yeah, yeah. When you go go back to eating meat again, when you're like, yeah, as Ali did. I mean, like that was a big change from being uh, being vegetarian to literally eating raw meat and wearing fox pelt. <laughs> so what do you, what are you going to do when you go there? Are you going to be vegan in Mongolia? Absolutely, I'm not going to. I'm just going to have to take my own stuff. What are you going to take? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> oh, this will be interesting. I want I want to go just to see just to see what you just end to up see doing. Me starving. Yeah, absolutely. There's absolutely no way I'm gonna eat any any animal or whatever. I'd, if if that was the thing, if you have to eat that, then I just wouldn't go. 
Oh no! But there's no Ugh. way you'd have to. There's no. There's no way you have to eat meat. There's no way you'd be forced to eat meat. Well, I think the trouble. It, it, I guess it comes down to whether rat race are having to rely on the locals, or whether it's down to the individual. I ate well in Sierra Leone. <laughs> <laughs> and the. I mean, it doesn't sound like there are that many. Um, that many orchards around or uh what lentils i'm sure lentils are grown in the in the siberia and everything yeah i'm sure that's that's the natural environment yeah i mean i I, I do take a point though i think you people are vegetarians and vegan for different reasons and if one of your reasons is no longer valid in the circumstances then yeah absolutely there's no point well, no, I think if you if the main reason you do it is because a lot of people are vegetarian because they feel the um, it takes up too much energy, essentially. And so uh, it's overusing the Earth's resources, whereas if it's killing a, an animal that has no impact on the rainforests or the amount of water that's taken in the process of feeding cattle and things like that, then yeah, absolutely. The, the reasons why you were necessarily vegan or vegetarian are no longer anything to do with the, the killing of this animal. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not a vegetarian myself, so, but I, I completely agree if, if, if um, with Ali, if, if you're doing it for a certain reason and that reason's no longer valid, then why would you still be a vegetarian or a vegan? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, on that bombshell, on that bombshell. So we, uh, well, we've got, we're doing, we're recording another one tomorrow where we're getting our DNA tests done. But we're also interviewing um, an Olympian, 400 meter Olympian. So we'll put the, we'll mention that in the group. If you've got any questions you'd like to ask an uh, Olympian or just someone who's very good at training for 400, we've never had someone who is, that short distance before anything. I don't understand. I don't understand a four hundred. Do you mean one one lap of a beer mile? <laughs> yeah, a quarter. A qu- Actually, talking about the beer mile, uh, feedback by Richard Ward on the um, Camille episode. Oh yeah. He um he said it's amazing amazing interview, great interviewee. Um, but she can't wait to hear. He can't wait to hear how the vertical beer mile goes. That's a new idea. Every 400 meters of ascent, you have a beer. That's a hard race. I don't know what that looks like. I can't even picture that in my mind. You start at sea level. You've run uphill. Yeah, but over what over what distance? I think, well, whatever distance you can find. I mean, you can't do it in the UK. There's nowhere that's 1,500 meters. But say you go to Mont Blanc... Every 400 meters you manage to climb, you have a beer. Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be an amazing race. Um, I think Camille would win as well. I want to. I want. Can someone else just stage it so I can get a picture in my head what that would look like? Whether that would be very interesting or not. Would that be interesting? Oh, I- Absolutely. Well, it, the beer mile is quite interesting already, but I think any a vertical mile race is already quite interesting because climbing a mile very quickly is hard. It's why they've done sky race, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's why they've done sky race. So they're essentially just adding, they're just funning that up. Which funning that up. <laughs> but I didn't all, races, all races can be funned up. 
They can. They can be funned up. I think we can... Um... Oh, I just know what's just popped in my head. The race T-shirt that someone's posted in the group. Is it for the Dewsbury Marathon? Oh, the one that looks like... Cock and balls. <laughs> Cock and balls, indeed. It's probably done with the same designers of the Edinburgh. Amazing! Medal. It's just incredible, isn't it? It's just like, how do they not see it? How do they look at that and not go, that looks like a knob? <laughs> so if you're not in the Facebook group, come and join us. There's a plenty of discussion going on, but also it's where you can suggest future guests. You can suggest topics. You can even meet guests. Discuss. Camille's in there. Yeah, Robbie Britton's in there. There's quite a few. James Appleton's in there. Um, Ali Bailey's in there. And um, the, the the host of the Never Happened Monarch's Way uh, <laughs> episode is also in there. <laughs> Mr. Lee Stewart Evans. But um, if you've got any suggestions, do email us letters at badboyrunning.com. If you want to uh, follow us on Twitter, um, you can go to... Twitter. Uh, well, go to Twitter <laughs> and look at Bad Boy Running and then let us know what's been going on. <laughs> but um, we've got we've got the DNA test coming up um, next week, and then after that we're going to be following up on we're both away actually, so talking about the Ethiopia Hash in Addis Ababa and also the Somaliland Marathon, both of which hopefully are going to be unbelievably epic. Yeah, I don't think my my reporting back from that week's going to be uh, as epic, to be honest. It's it's the big reveal on your um your heart rate. The big reveal on my heart rate. What does it what does it tell us? It well, tells uh, us you're nothing. probably going to find out on Valentine's Day about your heart. Oh, do you think so? It's poetic. That Absolutely. would be good. That would be really good. <laughs> well, um, thanks, listeners, and uh, thank you, Ali, the new co-presenter. New co-presenter, is- Ali. And uh, we are we going to talk about the new professionalism of the podcast, or are we going to say that to next no, week? No, no. Let's let them discover it. Let them discover the new professionalism <laughs> of the podcast. It's going to be an absolute shocker. Absolutely, yeah. You're not going to know what kind of podcast it is anymore. You're going to feel like we've deserted you. You think but, we're um, all on hemp oil or something? Yeah, there's plenty to go around. <laughs> so uh... <laughs> we're on ketones. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. Please do subscribe and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye 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 bye